Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcast from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Timothy Rooney, and we're back with a very special episode. This is episode 100. We have finally reached it. We have reached a milestone in this show's history. Three years and 100 episodes. It's kind of amazing when you think about it. I felt every day. <laughs> Says the most consistent co-host and <laughs> my first co-host in this episode, Dakota Wiegand. How are you doing, Dakota? Hello. I'm fine. It's funny because I know this is going to be a longer episode because as we tease in the end of the last episode of our topic, I brought two liters of water with me because that's how long this is going to be. Yes. <laughs> and he's going to, you're going to pull like a Howard Hughes at one point. He's going to piss into, into him and not use it. No, I'm going to pull a you and Nikki and myself and just randomly get up to use the bathroom. And just, just walk away and, just like, and not say anything. Just like move the microphone away and, just, and do that. And quietly just... A tiptoe to the bathroom, yeah. And I hope that God nobody hears the flushing in the background. Yeah, or my waterfall pissing into the toilet. Yeah, but I, the reason why I bring up the length <laughs> of this episode, because I, I have a feeling it's going to be a long episode, because, like I said, my, this is at the end of our last episode, we're counting on our top 15 favorite movies of all time. We didn't get to my number one. As you can tell from the title, we're doing my number one, Terminator 2. But, but... You forgot to ask. No, 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 no. I was totally leading it into, into our other co-host's uh, lead-in. And so, coming back from first episode back since Batman 89, our friend Tommy. How are you doing, Tommy? What's up? I'm doing pretty well. Have you, how have you been? Uh, I'm probably as good as my levels are right now. <laughs> no, no, no. You're good. You're good. You're good. I just wanted to be sure about that because okay. I, was, I was just a little concerned about it. But... It's not diddly daddly anymore. Let's jump into episode 100, our review of Terminator 2 Judgment Day, right now. My body's ready. <laughs> Yeah, so... When did I see this first? You showed this to me the first time. Right. Yes. It was in my basement. (laughs) Well. (laughs) So it begins. Go on. (laughs) Revelation Theater here going on. You you piece together the rest of it, but yes, it... So, yeah, Tim came Still over. was terminated that night, that's for sure. <laughs> oh, his butt virginity. <laughs> he puffed my black cherry. Oh. <laughs> okay, anyway. Would that be brown cherry? Uh, whatever. <laughs> anyway, uh, so, yeah, Tim brought over Terminator 2 one night. It was a couple years ago. Uh Was that out of college, or was I still in, uh, at college when I first saw it? I think it was it? out. Okay, so it was like, yeah, almost like immediately after I graduated from college. So you brought over Terminator 2. I was kind of like, eh, well, okay, I'll be a good friend and watch it. Did you see Terminator 1 at this point? No. So you were completely lost. Complete, well, I... Are I think, you sure I didn't show you the first one first? 
No, I'm pretty sure I saw the second one before I saw Terminator 1. Okay. Because I was so in love with Terminator 1 that, uh, Terminator 2 that I needed to see Terminator 1. Okay. Um, but yeah, you showed it to me. I was kind of like on the fence because I was like, okay, well, I heard ups and downs about the series. At this point, obviously, I mean, it was 2013, 2014 at that point. So obviously all the, most of the, all the Terminators, uh, besides Genesis, Genesis had came out. So, um, yeah, so I was skeptical, and then you showed it to me, and I absolutely loved it. Right. And it snowballed ever since, and we saw it at uh, in Huntington, mm-hmm. and, and that was amazing, when seeing it on a, scre- a big screen like that in a movie theater, and yeah, I haven't looked back since. Nice, nice, nice. Um, I first saw Terminator 2 when I was a child, which, uh, bad parenting for my parents <laughs> on that part, uh, super gory movie, <laughs> like... Dudes lose limbs. <laughs> Someone got but, kneecapped. Uh, yeah. I, I, many people got kneecapped. <laughs> yeah. That SWAT team's never walking again. <laughs> if we're being honest God. here. He's like, I don't kill anybody, but you can cripple as many people as you want. <laughs> he uses the Batman rule. Uh, like, like, of, of, yeah. uh, of you live. Exactly. Um, but uh, I saw Terminator 2. I rented it from Mr. Video down the block. Remember we had video stores, guys? Um, yes, I do. Okay, uh, <laughs> you were gonna say something that I didn't. Like, no, uh, I, I, <laughs> so I saw Terminator two before I saw Terminator. So, I, and I'm already going into it thinking when I'm a kid, think like, oh, Arnold Schwarzenegger is obviously the hero of this movie because it's an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie. Mm-hmm. Not in the first Terminator, where I could assume that like that was probably a big reveal. Unless you like, I guess like, I don't know. I don't know what the trailers. I, I never saw the trailer, so I don't know if they revealed that in the, in the trailer. No, I think it but. was they try and keep it under wraps, but like the at least some of it. But then, of course, then you have all those uh, press tour interviews. Like, oh, so you're the good guy in this one. So yeah, unless you're so. completely ignorant to the fact of like all that stuff leading up to it, you probably because the first act of the movie plays off. He's still you, the villain. you could still be the villain. Yeah, yeah, I kept in mind when I was watching, I was making sure, like, I was looking out for moments of, like, when is he acting like a hero? And it's really not until he meets John. Yeah. So it's very, very, very good, like, first act twist. Yes. Mm-hmm. There. Like, I could imagine if you've never seen it before, which I wasn't wise to as a kid, because Arnold Schwarzenegger is always the hero, unless he's Mr. Freeze. Right. Um, cool posse. <laughs> <laughs> then he's a villain for life. <laughs> In many he's ways. He's a villain for more than one reason. Yes. Movie. Let me break the ice. <laughs> All right, everybody. Chill, Dakota. <laughs> Chill out. <laughs> what killed the dinosaurs? The Ice, the ice Age! Age. Okay. Uh, it would have be, been funny if one of his goons was like, hey, uh, that's not... True. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he freezes um, on the spot. Mr. Freeze, I believe a meteorite hit the Earth, and that's kind of what started the whole chain of events. And <laughs> enough talk. <laughs> hey, uh, aren't you a doctor? Shouldn't you know this, <laughs> Victor? <laughs> <laughs> I went to medical school. I did take a history class. Like, <laughs> I got my degree online. <laughs> my GED. <laughs> What's that, uh, Phoenix, uh... Phoenix University. Yeah, University. that's where he got his degree from. <laughs> not, 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 not discounting anyone who got a degree from Phoenix yes. University, because that's actually... A pretty one of the top, yeah, yeah, online schools. But, but, you For know, the sake of comedy, it works. Yeah, yeah. Yes. But so my first experience Terminator 2 was that, and then the video game Terminator vs. Robocop for Super Nintendo. <coughs> oh. <laughs> that revelation killed Dakota. No, that just popped into my mind. Uh, growing up, 
Sorry, my first experience with the Terminator games, I totally just remembered this. It actually is a revelation, so thank you for this. No uh, I think it was on this either the Super... No, it was on the Sega... Uh, Genesis? Which I assume the fifth Terminator movie is about, because I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> I assume it's about Sega, Sega going Genesis. back in time to stop like Microsoft from creating the Xbox. <laughs> I don't know. Or Nintendo from buying them. I don't know. No, it's just a normal... <laughs> it stopped the, the PlayStation scare tactics of major outlets. Yeah, it was just a normal Sega game. It was a Terminator game. And I think the only board I ever played was the first board. You're in like... You're essentially... Um, you're in the trenches on the human race, gunning down Terminators as they're coming towards you. And the setting was like almost like you're on Hoth. You're in a snow trench, and you're firing. A, I'm assuming you're John Connor because you're firing a weapon. You see the guys in front of you shooting, and you have like the Terminators running towards you. It's like a light gun game, pretty much. Like you had like you had a crosshairs and everything. Uh, you, you have the you see your arms and the holding the rifle. You're firing, and uh, at one point you're all, they're all silver Terminators, and eventually they throw a gold one gold at you. Gold one which, in there, yeah, yeah. But the fucked up part was you can shoot your own guys in the back and you, they slump over the side and stop firing. Yeah. So it was kind of gruesome at that point and that's the only memory of the Terminator I had as a little kid. I was like, oh, this game is a little fucked up. <laughs> uh, where the Robocop versus Terminator game, which, why is that not a movie? First of all, I was... Because Robocop would win so easily. Uh, because uh, it was Fine, an guys. epic rap battle. Yeah. Was it? And, yeah. And, and I think a YouTube series like... They, it, like they did it for Gen- uh, they did it for uh, Terminator Genesis actually. Ugh. Yeah, because at the very end, they had Arnold Schwarzenegger mouth, uh, epic rap battles of history. Oh, God. Um, no, which, in my opinion, uh, Terminator did win that rap battle. Well, no, I'm talking about, like, somebody, like, there was a YouTube series where they'll they'll pit two uh, heroes or villains against each other, like, the biggest ones, like, Superman versus Goku and Superman, if they still oh, won by a hair. Um, and they did Robocop versus Terminator, and I think Robocop's chassis w- was stronger than the, the T-100's medals, so that's why they would it would... Deemed they would win, but Robocop versus Terminator. Like, I'm surprised there's not been like a. Are you talking about Superpower Beatdown? That might have been. That the, is that the series? I think so. No, okay. it's just it's Death Battle. Of oh, Death Battle. Regardless, um, he's losing. I'm Boomsick. Yeah. Well, the, the the video game was a side scroller. Yes. Robocop, and it was basically uh, Contra. Okay. Oh yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Which is like the simplest game, and people like. People say, like, why don't you turn that into a movie? Like, how can you turn that into a movie? I'm sorry to say. Like, unless you turn it into, like, The Raid, but just with with Rambo and Arnold in there, that's what you get a Contra movie. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, Rambo, you mean Sylvester? It, uh, yeah. Okay. No, I'm saying, because, like, like, you look at the cover of it, it's definitely, like, like, the cover of it, it's like, yeah, that's definitely Dutch from Predator and, like, Stallone from, like, Rambo First Blood Part 2, when the fucking... I always hate I always hate the, the the naming of the Rambo series. All right, you have First Blood, Rambo First Blood Part Two, Rambo Three, Rambo. Yeah, but when they, I mean, just remember that Rocky uh, Rocky Five was just called Rocky Balboa. No, Rocky Six was Rocky Balboa. You idiot! Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna beat you down for bringing up Rocky Five, even if it does have Tommy Gun. Yeah, yeah, that's just alone. <laughs> He's very articulate. Though in that movie he had did, definitely had one of the most bad at, like best epic like monologues when he's like oh you get, hit, you get you get hit you get back up yeah everything. when he's just pretty much telling what what it is to be a man to his to his like to his kid so mm-hmm. yeah that's the only thing I know from that movie anyway 
we're talking about Terminator 2 here? Yeah. yeah we got a little derailed there. <laughs> no, it's not as bad as uh, when my buddy Mike and I recorded uh, our podcast for Halloween 4. Like, I, I even put it out there where I posted the episode, like, yo, if you count up all the references to other pop culture media right there, like, and you make a list, I'll give you a fucking high five. Because there was, like, there was Critic references, there was Simpsons references, there was... I think there was like an Austin Powers reference. There was so many things. There's Doctor Who things thrown in there. There was so much shit thrown in there. Yeah, sounds like sounds like an anything goes podcast. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I, I mean, like, it, it, with the title being that, that anything does go, and all subject matters are applicable for it within the realms of geek and pop culture. It, I think that's fair. Mm-hmm. Um, any other final like earlier memories for Terminator Two? Um. I didn't think Sarah Connor was hot until, um, like, very recently. I guess when I watched it today, I was like, huh, I don't remember uh, being this attractive. I Okay, if we're getting to the, like, if Sarah Connor is hot, not in Terminator 2, definitely in Terminator 1. I don't know, man. She'd kick my ass any day uh, Sarah in Terminator 2. Give me the, what's the that's actress's name. What's her Linda name? Hamilton. Linda Hamilton. Okay, let's just pull her up. So... While uh, you two uh, pervs uh, look at her IMDb profile while you, uh, over there. Oh, because it's perverted to look at an IMDb profile. <laughs> Within the context of what you're doing right there, yes. I want to see what else she was in. Yeah, it was like, it was these two movies, uh, King Kong fucking returns in like 1986. Oh, no. That grass won't grow? What? What? She's filming the untitled Terminator reboot right now. Yes. Well, Director of the first Deadpool is doing it, so that's the only reason. That's why the only saving grace cool. of it. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Okay, but, good uh, for him. Yeah. So I'm kind of glad he stepped off Deadpool do to do this. But I also remember when I was a kid, John Connor seemed a lot older to me. Mm-hmm. I guess for obvious reasons. Yes. We're supposed to be like ten in that movie. Yes. Yeah. So I was like maybe seven watching this movie, and I was like, that kid looks so much older. You but, think he's like thirteen or something yeah. like that? And then I see him like I was watching it today, and I was like, you are a child. You are a child. And you were getting ridden with bullets. There's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a few more things about like him being handling a child handling certain things in this movie that I find like oh, just a little questionable now. But they do it with they do it with uh, class and certain things that he handles. But you good? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And so okay, I first became aware of the first Terminator when I think it might have been like five or six. Because I remember I went to a video store. I forget the name of it, but I remember the owner was named Kenny. And my mom and I would go there. And I saw the cover for the first Terminator. And it was like the where it's him in the leather jacket with like the open chest where he's got the 45 long side with the laser sighting. Um, and I remember I saw the first Terminator first. And I was just like, wow. And this is a couple years after, obviously after the fact that Terminator 2 had came out. And I think it was a different video store. I think it was AC Video, which is not too far from where I live, where it used to live. Now I think it's a dry cleaners. Um, bought, and I think we bought it just outright because it was so big and so popular. I think my mom and my have seen it by that point. And just trusted me to handle these certain things. I'm surprised you weren't, like, after seeing the first Terminator, wow, that was horrifying. I well, because Yeah, because the first one... <laughs> Especially the ending when it's crawling at her. And, yeah, no, the oh first one God. is, like, I, I know, like, some people have preferences for the first one because like it, it is so taut and it's like it moves so fast and it's a horror movie for the most part yeah i mean it's close that's things it's closer to halloween than i think uh terminator 2 yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the, the funny thing is um 
Uh, there was a movie that came out a few years ago called The Guest, which was a, a horror movie. That was such a good movie. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, and the joke I made when I first saw it, I'm like, yeah, that's closer to a Terminator and a Halloween movie than any of the Terminator <laughs> Halloween sequels, if I'm, we're being honest here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and I actually, I think you'd really recommend it, because it's not that much of a horror movie, it's more of a thriller, but... The Guest? Yeah. It's actually, it's... Because the dude who's, like, the main character is so charming, and like, oh, he's so, like, oh, he, he's not that, that dangerous, and then you find out, oh, no, he could kill you with his, like, his pinky. Um... And so, like, I, I just became enamored with that. And it was certain a thing with me at the time. As a kid, I preferred sequels over the original. Really? Really? Yeah, because I think it's because the movie started faster. That's very true, yeah. Because there's a lot of just, exposition to be done on the first one. Yeah. Mm, makes like, sense. I, I watched Back to the Future Part 2 and 3 more than one when I was a kid. I would watch this a lot more than I watched the first Terminator. Even, like, some... Even, like... Batman Returns, I'd watch a lot. I mean, not as much as Batman, but I did watch that a good amount of the time. And were you a big Lost World guy? I enjoyed Lost World. I, I was mad because I remember my family and I were down in Florida for a soccer tournament. Because I know I brought this up on my other show. Uh, Please rewind part of the RF Forum uh, Real Fans Free Movies Podcast Network. Shameless did- plug. Yes, when well, we we did uh, Saving Private Ryan, I saw it for the first time when we were in a tournament. I think we were down in Georgia, and it was the weekend. It rained out on Saturday, so like all the games were canceled, so we rented Saving Private Ryan on pay-per-view. So it's my family and I in our hotel room watching Saving Private Ryan together. So that's a, a great experience. Like, oh, it's, it's 11 o'clock in the morning. Let's see what happens. And that <laughs> Omaha Beach sequence opens up, and you're like, oh. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah. <laughs> Like I think I think I need to go get ice and just cry to the ice bucket afterwards. Um, and it was a similar thing with Lost World because we were down in Florida for it. I remember Lost World came out and my sister and her soccer team they went to go see it. They didn't take me to go see it. I didn't see Lost World in theaters. I don't think I saw it in theaters. I don't remember if I saw it in theaters. Honestly, I remember I saw Godzilla in theaters. The oh yeah, American one. I think I saw that one. Me too. But don't worry, I get to see Lost World again in theaters. Called it's called Jurassic World Two: Lost Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom. Fallen, Fallen Kingdom, Kingdom, whatever the fuck. Who cares? <laughs> who cares? I'm sorry, yeah, I know, I just totally, I, I lost a few, like, listeners there. I mean... Uh, who? Uh, who? I, I'm not going to call him out. I know a friend of mine who, who's really looking forward to that, and I know he listens to the show. Once again, I don't have to deal with him. No, I, I'm not saying his name right now. <laughs> I'm the one that's going to get... You know who you are. <laughs> it's a different person from before. I will throw down with this person. I'm sorry. No, I, different person than that before? Different person. Oh, I'll throw it out with both of them. <laughs> I'm sorry. The first person will kick your ass. Probably. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not gonna put down money for the second one. <laughs> what the fuck? Did bets? Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I'm fight club through my podcast right there. Okay. And so... Which is a great segue into my podcast, Fight Club. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but you don't. It's so bad. It's about the movie Fight Club, but the first episode is just silence because you can't talk about it because it's the first it's just it's just white noise. Welcome to the Fight Club podcast. First an hour of white of white noise. It's the first two episodes of nothing, and then the third episode you actually get to talk to yeah. it. <laughs> oh boy! So yeah, it was something that just stuck with me, and it was one of those movies where. Much like Back to the Future and Jurassic Park, which, ironically, we're recording this on the day of Jurassic Park's 25th anniversary release of June 11th. Woo! Holla. And it's so strange how 
both Jurassic Park and T2 have a very important distinction of being a benchmark for visual effects and a changing of the guard when it comes to blockbusters, for better or for worse. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. And so I just find it kind of curious that we're recording it on this today. Okay. So the movie opens up with um, congested Los Angeles, which I just imagined what just just how Los Angeles always looks. That's how every movie opens. Just Los 90s. Angeles. Yes. Every movie in the 90s opens with a scene of congested Los Angeles. Yes. I thought they used the same, like, backhaul footage. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like the same B-roll footage they've been using for years. And we see the uh, playground of kids playing, and then all of a sudden it just goes to, it fades to white, and we it's a nuclear fallout, and it's the future war sequence. Uh, Dakota, your feelings on this opening and the future war uh Jumping into it for the first time. Oh, it was uh, it was something. It was really cool. It's really hard to. It was really cool. I mean, it, it upped the ante from the first movie, uh, which the first movie opened up it was amazing to see the future war and everything like that. But in this movie, it was like ten times better. And I remember being just blown away by it because it was like, oh my god, all the shit's really happening. It set up the movie perfectly, in my opinion. They, yeah, I love, they just kind of came in and was straight up, like, punched you in the face with the action sequences. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was like, it, it, first of all, it ruined, uh, I, this is, this, I realized, I realized today watching Terminator 2 that Terminator 2 will ruin future Tommy's viewing of, uh, what was the movie that came out recently? They were all in the tank. Fury? Fury. It, ru- it, ru- it will ruin Fury for me because I'm like, why are they shooting lasers? Not knowing that they're just shooting bolts with tracers on them. Oh, mm. boy. And the laser effects and, like, the- there was so many so many laser guns. <laughs> Everything's a laser gun <laughs> in 2029. And I can't wait. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. And everyone knows my opinion about laser guns. And if you'd listened way back early on where I bitched him out about laser guns and, like, cartoon series and stuff oh, like that. Oh, God, yeah. Same rule applies. They don't have the same power from usage to usage. What do you think? Like it's so like in this one, it's like okay, you know, if you get hit with a laser, you're dead. Yeah, but like my biggest problem, like in most pop, like most things, like if it serves the plot, oh, the laser bolt only just burns a little bit. It grazed you. Yeah, it grazed you, even though it was direct hit to your chest. It grazed you. Yeah, that's why. Like, what was it? Uh, I was rewatching Rogue One. yeah, like a few weeks ago. Yeah. And when Donnie's taking out the uh, group of stormtroopers when we meet him. Yeah. He's got this one stormtrooper and he's got his arm wrapped around his and he's using him as a human shield and he keeps getting blasted. I'm like, shouldn't he be falling apart right now with so many laser bolts going? Like, shouldn't his torso be separated from his head? I mean, I'm thinking like in Total Recall when no. I was forced to grab the dude in the escalator and he's literally like a hunk of meat because everybody opens up on the dude with Uzis and he's yeah. like, this dude was just going to work or going home, and all of a sudden he's he's a meat shield for Arnold. It's ridiculous. What's funny is in this movie, Arnold is the meat shield. Yes, he is. For Multiple many scenes. Yes, he yes. does. Um, yeah, and, and, and it's something about like we have the Sarah Connor voiceover about the exposition of how Judgment Day happened, and now this future war is playing out. And it's the cool thing is like listening if you buy the the Skynet edition of Blu-ray. Um, because James Cameron doesn't do a lot of commentaries for his movies. If he'll do it, it'll usually be a scene scene specific, and it'll be a bunch of other people, kind of like, almost like a round table. Is he also on a submarine while doing this? No, this is this is recorded before his uh, aquatic. Uh, Which, by the way, the documentary for that is really good. What the when you go at the Mariana Trench? Yep. 
I really want to see that. It, it actually it was on Netflix for a little bit, but yeah. Um, what it'll be is like you'll have like a like a moderator where they'll be like special effects supervisor Stan Wisher, and then Stan Wisher will start speaking. And the same thing, like this is sp- very specific for Aliens, uh, the director's cut of commentary. Because there's them, it's the it's it's Stan Winston. There's the Skokas brothers. Uh, I forget, I, I totally butchered that last name. Did like a lot of the miniatures. There is like cast members. Then there's James Cameron. However, for T2, he did record a commentary for 2003's DVD release, which has been poured over to the Blu-rays with the co-writer Will Wisher, which I I find really informative. But the problem is that Will Wisher like tries to get a word in, and James Cameron just keeps like <laughs> talking over him. I'm just like, I'm like, oh, like you, who's the who's the alpha and who's the beta in this relationship going on right here? <laughs> and it's interesting because we have the. It's obviously this future war scene is definitely blows everything away from what the future war was able to do in the first term. Yeah, because you could tell. A six million dollar budget versus a hundred plus million dollar budget from Terminator One to Two. I also find it funny that Cameron uh, made a sequel to Aliens seven years after Aliens' release, and then due to the rights issues and other projects he was doing, it was seven years between the Terminator and Terminator Two. And so, like, we've already passed seven years for Avatar One and Two. Like, that would have been cool if we just kept that that consistency. That would have been nice. Now I just kind of want a movie from James Cameron. I don't really care what it looks like. <laughs> yeah, no. But, like, <laughs> even though he puts recently, he's put his foot in his mouth when it comes to like press, but like it's obviously just to get clickbait articles to get going. Uh, I don't even. Uh, yeah, like, he he had issues with uh, Wonder Woman, and he was kind of mad at the fact that like everything's a um, comic book movie nowadays. Like, there's like no breathing room for any other blockbusters. That's fair. Yeah, and Wonder Woman, he thought it was like he thought still thought she was objectified because of the outfit. Oh, come on. It could be a lot worse. Yes. I definitely... I really don't believe he... They could have hired... They could have hired a porn star to play Wonder Woman, but they got... I've seen movies like that. I mean, uh... Oh. Are we talking about the same Wonder Woman? (laughs) (laughs) Moving on. (laughs) That's me clearing my browser history. That's the sound of it. That's him... (laughs) That's Tim running to his room to burn his computer to the ground. (laughs) It's like next time we just see my Mac just on the grass, cracked open. And I love the fact that in the commentary, Cameron says like they shot all the stuff with the the future war stuff was done like in two days. Really? And, yeah. Like all the like all the principles and everything, but a lot of the other stuff that's like nothing to do with the miniatures. That's all like all like the people running around and everything and all yeah. the explosions. That's shot in like two nights. That's insane. Because it was supposed to be a second unit stuff, but they were like not. He was he was kind of mad with the dailies he was getting, so he left their editing room and just he just like all right, fine, this is what we're gonna do and just. Wow. Yeah, and a lot of that stuff is miniature, like the the oh, big yeah. hunter killers, and and even when the truck flips after like the one uh, it's like firing the minigun at the hunter killers flying at him. Yeah, truck flip. That's a miniature. There's a lot of rear screen projection. There's a lot of um, pr- uh full-on, uh, like, puppets. Mm-hmm. Especially when it's, like, the one, like, dual-wielding, like, it's laser guns. Yeah. Not a lot of CGI in there. And I think that's uh, an important thing to note with this movie because this and Jurassic Park was a culmination of special effects up until that point with the added new things of CGI. Mm-hmm. I guess we can kind of get into this now. The problem is CGI became the dominant use of spe- visual effects going forward. Yes. Yeah. Which we can, that could, that's a whole podcast in and of itself of discussing the pros and cons of that. Mm-hmm. Let's get your, your feelings on that briefly right now, though. Well, pros and cons about yeah, CGI like, today? It, yeah, and, and the, the 
so much abundant use of it because of the success of these movies. Well, I, I'm shepherding this new technology. You, you can see they're backpedaling quite a bit. Hollywood is backpedaling because it got to the point where it was so egregious that people were like freaking out. Because okay, we can make these big ass wonderful movies completely in front of a green screen, but then it comes back and bites you in the ass. That's why the bigger movies that they know are going to be blockbusters, like the new Star Wars movies, even uh, Fallen Kingdom, are going back to like having a lot more practical effects, blend practical with CGI, because it looks better. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw that in Terminator 2, you saw that in Jurassic Park, where they blended CGI and practical effects, and you get a better product. You get something that lasts longer. Um, but yeah, you have some movies, I mean, like you, uh, listening, just for shits and giggles, we were just listening to, uh, I was listening back to our podcast of, um, the Deathly Hollows, especially part two, where a lot of these sets are green screen. There's no, de- you can't, there's no depth yeah. in vision. It's flat. Mm-hmm. It's ugly. And it's a, it's so egregious. Even like and it took my lunch money too. It took my lunch money. Yeah. If I could be, it did. If I could knock out my front two teeth. <laughs> but, a locker. <laughs> but like, it, the, there's some like it's overly dependent on CGI. I mean, we can even like even modern movies like Deadpool two relied on it really heavily. Yeah. Um. So yeah, like it, something like making Thanos real. Yes, you need a CGI. Yeah, character. you need like, it, but but or Gollum, it, like you need a CGI for that. Yes, but. There's a lot of more practical effects that will also get blended into it. Yeah. So I'm so I'm happy Hollywood is kind of stepping back from making everything CGI because I know it was a cost thing. It's just cheaper to do that. It's to build these sets, use these, build these props. Just uh, just to have some geek fucking animate it, and yeah. then you're done. So that's my opinion on it. Um, I I like that they're backpedaling a bit as well with uh, the practical effects. Um, I always like looking at it now. Practical effects, practical effects definitely outweigh uh, CGI and like making me interested in the film. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Dakota was trying to do something smooth and like off mic, and he fucked it up. Fucked up really. Sorry. sorry. So anyway, just move the chips over there. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think CGI was. Uh, awesome for it's awesome for like independent m- movie making because yeah. now you can have so many you can have so much more because maybe you don't have a costume department if you're a crew of five guys and like with a thousand dollar budget mm-hmm. uh, at that point you can just you can download some software and get to work on some CGI stuff which is great for um, lower budget movies like we were saying film costs and everything like that but. Terminator 2 really does a great job with its practical effects. Um, the CGI in it is what it is for the time. Yeah. It really isn't that bad. Right. It's re- I was watching it today, and I was really like, this isn't this doesn't seem dated. No. It, it's, not that, it's not that terrible. It's, um, there were some points where I was like, right, that's definitely a green screen. That's definitely a green screen. But like, even, like, the lightning and stuff like that mm. that they use, like, it was, like, pretty good. It's not yeah. bad. Um. So, basically, I really like how they're blending CGI and practical effects nowadays, uh, especially for things like the horror genre. It's definitely something that is necessary, I think, at this point. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there are certain points where in, like, I think the best CGI is invisible and should augment Mm. what's already there. I agree. I, I mean, like, what was it? One of the... 
um, the Chernobyl Diaries of all things. Like there is like like it's supposed to be like taking place in Chernobyl mm-hmm. as part of like extreme tourism. Like in Chernobyl, there's like the famous stuff where you could see in Call of Duty where the uh, Ferris wheel, yeah, where they shot that in the movie didn't have a Ferris wheel, but they did have it in the background and just like perfectly blend in with fine and everything like that. Like, it never noticed it. I think like the one moment of the CGI kind of looks a little wonky in this movie. I'll point it out when we get to it. But before we get past the opening battle, uh, there was a because I had the Terminator do a book of the film, the illustrated screenplay. It has certain sequences that were cut out of the movie altogether from the writing stage, but they did storyboard it. Like one of them was in the Future War, where we see uh, the Terminator go back in time. Mm-hmm. We and we also see. Uh, Kyle Reese go back in time, and they really, just, yeah, no way. And then they then they blow up the uh, facility. And that's one of the other sequences. So we like, all right, we know that's going to happen. We need this to happen too. So they sent back both at the same time the, at the end of the war, and in the hopes they would change the future. And and there's another big sequence that was cut out of the movie, which I'll get to later. But so we get back to the present. Where we see the T eight hundred arrive and go into the bar and get his his clothes, his boots, his motorcycle. Uh, your feelings on this sequence here? This is whoever was in the, every sponsor's wet dream, right? And the sequence here because all the product placement done perfectly well. One scene, Budweiser, uh, Budweiser, Harley Davidson, just Pepsi, bah, 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 yeah. it's like wow. There's a lot of people that invested money into this movie. So. It's a taste of the new generation, <laughs> as Wayne's World would say. It's like some people just do this just for money. That's just gross. <laughs> the Reebok jumpsuit. Yes. <laughs> oh boy, but yeah, no. But this scene was amazing. Yeah. I mean, it's funny him walking into the bar, but butt ass naked and yeah. just looking around and analyzing, like finding the sizing of clothes. And I love and the like waitress the, that like does look the, down and look, then look, look at, up. Yeah, kind of like whoa. Yeah. Hello. I, love when, I love when they cut to the one woman. They cut like everybody. And everybody's like, oh, what is this guy doing? And they cut to the one woman. And she like smirks, like nice. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> was that the waitress or that was just that was the waitress? Right? But there was like one chick at like the jukebox who turns around. And she's like, <gasps> like, like, yeah. like legit gas. Yeah, there, there was a woman who was sitting at a table. She was a blonde. Woman, yeah, she just turns around like and she, she, with her boyfriend, she was, like that. She was with it was two women at a table. Yeah. One was not facing him, and the other one was looking right at the door. And they cut like a bunch of these people, and they cut to her face, and her face is just like a oh yeah, with a cigarette. She's like, she's like, oh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> oh, she had a Matthew McConaughey moment right there. Yeah. Like, oh. <laughs> but the sequence is just amazing. This is so much fun. It sets a tone like, okay, this guy's back. Yeah. Um, and I mean, yeah, it's similar to when he first came. Uh, in the first Terminator, when he shows up with all Arnold's swinging in the wind and everything like that, but you don't see it this time. Um, <laughs> much to your, much to your disappointment, I, I know. I know. Or his Danny DeVito, as we call it. <laughs> give me full frontal or give me death. There's <laughs> <laughs> also the funny thing is, like, you can definitely tell he is not as cut as he was in the first Terminator. He's no. still big, but he is he's not as he, cut. He, no. Well, one, you know, I, mean, I guess he's he, older. Yeah, he's older. He looks more natural in this movie. Natural yeah, like, jacked instead yeah. of bodybuilder jack. Yes. He's, I, he, I was like, was he laying like, off the roids at this point? I would think so. Okay. I mean, like, like you like you watch this and then you watch, like, Commando and Predator, like, those three in a row. Yeah. He's still in, the, like, phenomenal oh, shape. amazing he's, shape. He's, he's amazing shape here. But you definitely tell he can, like, no, he, he went, can scratch all of his back. Yeah, he went point. from very round too very chiseled and sharp and squared. Yeah, at that more more. I know that sounds weird, but that's just more of like an artistic 
point yeah, of view. Yeah, like, he's, he's, like his shoulders are not as like it's not round. His face is not round. He's yeah. not a cir- he's not circles. He's actually like human shaped. Yeah, and but he's still like this guy can kill me yeah. with just a flick of his finger. Yeah. I mean, he could probably still do that now. I think I'm a human shape, and I'm kind of round. Different round. <laughs> I'm also round, but different round. <laughs> your shapes. You, you Tim is more shape. squared. You're a square. You're square. He's a rectangle. <laughs> <laughs> You're a trapezoid. <laughs> <laughs> Your feelings on the T one hundred, the T the T eight hundred's arrival. Well, off the bat, you know I love it because he walks in ass naked and he just starts kicking ass. Um, takes no names, doesn't care about names. No, just takes clothing. Yes, and and a, a motorcycle and a motorcycle. Yeah. <laughs> um, I found it, what I do love about this the whole sequence where it goes that he comes in, and he like. Fucks up the two dudes, three dudes, even the one guy's like, <laughs> like jump in, and his buddy's like, bro, come on, what are you doing? And they, they run out of the bar. Smartest move in the movie And then right just there. cut to bad to the bone plan, yeah. <laughs> and him stepping out of the bar, and all you just have is boots, and it's just like, I was watching it, I, was, I smiled, I was like, this is, this, no, this is a kid's movie thing, which is another reason why I'm like, this is an R-rated film, it's very violent, as a kid... Of, like, oh, that's a funny thing for, like, it's a campy thing to throw in there. It's yeah. Like almost that. MCU-ish. A little bit. Yeah. A little bit. And then the bartender chases him after he's already out of the bar with the gun. And yeah. he's like, hey, man, I can't let you take that bike. And all it does is give Arnold a shotgun. And sunglasses. <laughs> and sunglasses. Which I don't, why did he need to take those? Except for, because he's bad to the bone. Obviously. Yeah. 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 It's definitely a self-aware moment right there. Oh, yeah, very. And I know, like, on the commentary, the editor said they were... Like no, James, don't do this, because because they thought it would pull you out of the movie. I I could see some people being pulled out and because plus, it's so tongue in cheek. Yeah, and the fact that Bad Bone been used previously in a bunch of other movies, especially John Carpenter's Christine, when Christine is unveiled at the very beginning, it's all these tan like uh, Fifty Eight Plymouth, and then it's the cherry red Fifty Eight Plymouth is coming down to Bad the Bone, as it's like it is you just like it's a. Car guy's wet dream, seeing that, yeah. that car come together, and then with here, yeah, like it's an arrival. It's like yes, he is back, and he's bad to the bone. Mm. Yeah, it also could give you a hint that he might be the hero in this one. Yeah, for I sure. Think. Yeah, if, if you had, if you're if, paying close attention, if you're if you're not, then it's just like, what the fuck is this? Yeah, <laughs> he did give that one guy like severe third degree burn stuff by throwing him on oh, the, oh, the the grill. Yeah. <laughs> I feel bad. For, I also feel bad for the dude who went through the window, and and almost through the windshield. It's Hollywood. He he would have just dusted himself off and got, got on with life. But like my feelings of it, and it's curious that on the commentary they mentioned this. That bar is across the street from the tape of Rodney King being beaten down by the LAPD. Hmm. And earlier on, the head of that tape before the that happening is the guy like filming T two being shot at that bar. So that, that's funny. Like like. Like so, what do you want to show us? Oh no, that's Terminator Two being uh, filmed. Ah, here, here we go. Here's the Rodney King beaten. Um, and I love the, the fact that, like, like, of course, the immortal lines. I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. There is a band. There is a comedic, like, metal core band called Austrian Death Machine. Yes. Where it, their whole premise is they make songs about 
Arnoldisms, and they have a Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonator on the tracks with them. Like the fir- first track is called "Guess the Chapa," <laughs> and then there is on their second album they have like "I Need Your Clothes, Your Boots, Your Motorcycle," and the chorus is "I Need Your Clothes, Your Boots, Your Motorcycle." <laughs> and in the music video, they, like how they have like uh, on the album art, they have like a gigantic version of Arnold with like bullets sticking out of his head, and they made a mock-up of that with a dude like with a like a mascot head of Arnold with like a big bullet sticking out of him coming to a house party and getting people to exercise. He, like the T-1000 is going to put alcohol in the fruit punch. He knocks him and puts protein in there, <laughs> stirs it up and gets people doing jumping jacks and push-ups. Oh my God. It is ridiculous. Um, I mean, Archer even uses that. The show Archer used that. Uh, I need your, cl- your, uh, your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. Really? Yeah. Um, there was later in the season, like Ray, uh, the uh, their gay, the token gay guy, right. gay agent. He loses the ability to walk, and he's going to. And Krieger, the scientist, uh, is going to perform surgery so he can have robotic legs. Oh no! And Archer has a fear of robots, so he's trying to get to Krieger to stop the surgery, and he eventually. Like they tie him up, put him in a separate room, and he eventually crawls through the air duct system, which everyone's like, okay, he's crawling through the air duct system, but it's realistic, so it's sweltering hot. <laughs> so he ha- so he's removing all his clothes uh, while crawling through there and bitching. And at the very end of the episode, Ray's like, I'm, I can walk again. And he just collapses through the ceiling, butt-ass naked, stands up, walks over to Cyril, and he goes, I need your clothes, your shoes, and your motorcycle. Um, Archer, you need what? <laughs> I'm just joking. I would never wear your clothes. And then he just collapses and like, <laughs> he'd exhaust. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's an ocelot back in the back of the train. <laughs> there's an ocelot back there? Babu! He remembers me! It's one of the only reasons why I remember like, the animal of the ocelot because of Archer. <laughs> Oh, it's such um, a good show. And I love uh, – and the dude who takes the clothes off of is actually one of the dudes in the bar in Near Dark, which was directed by Catherine Bigelow, a future Mrs. James Cameron. Hmm. So I find that really funny. And um, I love how after the dude gets thrown onto the grill and he's like – he rolls off of it. He tries to um, chamber around his forty five, and his hands can't grip anything, so he tries to use his forearm to chamber it. And I was like, no, give me that. Like like, like a – uh, a parent taking away a toy for a child, like, no! <laughs> um, and so, of course, like, he gets on the motorcycle, and then like, we have the bag of the bone. He's riding with his mo- with sunglasses on. I tried driving with sunglasses on at night, trying to think that like, it would look cool. No, it doesn't Try work. walking with sunglasses at night. It's impossible. I'm just like, how does Cyclops do it? But uh, I guess he just has to, uh, I don't know. I can see everything. <laughs> <laughs> I might just, for the rest of the episode, just... Whole quotes. <laughs> that, that's totally fine. I think it totally works in the context. Okay, so then Team 1000 arrives. Ooh. And your feelings on Team 1000 taking the clothes off the cop. There's a pause there because I think Tim knows my opinion on police. Um, that's true. <laughs> I think that it's, it's a great setup to definitely set him up as the villain when the first thing he does is beat the shit out of a cop. Yeah. Which, like, clear an obvious authority figure anywhere. Um, Protector of justice. Yeah, blah, and, but blah, also, blah, blah. He, also seemed like, he also seemed like a good guy just doing his job there. Yeah, he seemed like a, he seemed like more of, like, a night security guard than a cop, actually. Yeah, and, and they just happened to get the, the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah. Um, I like, uh, I'm so bad with names. What's his name, the guy who plays Team 1000? 
Robert Patrick. Robert Patrick is got such this great uh, charisma to him. With he's so little lines in the film, but he has such a great charisma about him that he's like plays a great villain, or he could be the hero in the yeah. very beginning. Before you know what's going on in this movie, I can't stress how much I love that like this act one reveal that. Arnold is the good guy in this movie because mm-hmm. you're jumping in this movie. Let's say you don't know anything about the press. You never saw a trailer. You don't know what the hell you're getting yourself into. Um, you saw the first Terminator. You saw like the that. first Terminator. You were like, this was great. Let's see Terminator 2. Uh, you have no idea. You might because you think Arnold's the bad guy from the first one. You might automatically assume like, damn, this is a badass anti-hero. He just beat up a cop and took his uniform. Right. Um, the CGI with T-1000 also is reminds me of a Capri Sun commercial. <laughs> well, you did a Capri Sun. Like, oh my god, you are correct. <laughs> oh my god. The way they, 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 like, they probably ripped that off for the Capri Sun commercials. Definitely. Yeah, Especially likely. the scene where he's the floor and then he becomes not the floor. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and the cool thing about that is that they designed the character around what they could do effects-wise. Okay. Because this idea of, like, a liquid metal dude was idea back from the first Terminator. And the fact that the idea was going to be he was going to be an infiltration unit of that kind of physique. Lance Hendrickson, who's a cop in the first Terminator, and he's Bishop and Aliens, he was supposed to be the Terminator. Well, Arnold's going to play Reese. That was... And, like, because Arnold doesn't look like an infiltration unit. He looks like he stands out in the crowd. Lance Hedgeson, he blends into a crowd. And so that idea was percolating all the way back then. But, of course, the visual effects like, couldn't do it. And the fact that Arnold wanted to be the villain, that's how they switched things around. Mm-hmm. And, and they figured, they hit chalked to, like, it's L.A. Of course, his bodybuilders walking around. You could see that being a thing. And when it came to here, after the success of the visual effects in the Abyss, and being able to create 3D water and, and how they wanted they figured, all right, we can do this. We'll do it sparingly. We'll do as much practical as possible. But then that's where, like, all right, we're going to gamble on this. And, this, and I think it works out for the most part. Yeah, I think so, too. And, and, uh, and the fact that we see he takes the persona of a police officer. He looks up on the on the database of uh, of where John is. And the father's deceased. And the mother's, his mother is in a mental institution. But it says father uh, am I unknown. Unknown, yes. Yeah. Yes. My, my mistake. Your feelings on the introduction of T-1000. Oh, it's great. I mean, I was just thinking about it as time was speaking. Like, it's actually kind of like the polar opposite of what Arnold's doing. Arnold is going in, stealing clothes from bikers, which has a general negative connotation against them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's st- – so the T-1000 stealing clothes from an officer, which has a general positive j- connotation right. to- towards them. Uh, so, yeah, it already sets up brilliantly who's the bad guy, who, who's fighting uh, wh- who's fighting who in, in this movie. Right. But very subtly, subtly, but it's a good mention. But it's such a good th- – like, it's so clever because in the first Terminator, it's like this would be the best way to go about it because your cop can get anywhere. Yeah. Can get any information they want, can move anywhere without being noticed – well, without being noticed or too much, but not being stopped. Yeah. Because everyone knows it's a cop, but like I – mean, Yeah. Come on. But, yeah. And- but um, as far as Robert Patrick is concerned, uh, he is definitely I would definitely a better better like version of like what a Terminator should be because he blends in so well. He's muscular but slender. Yeah, he's kind of has a forgettable face. Mm. Um, like not not 
not ugly because you can remember ugly. Mm-hmm. So he's new. It's a neutral, like neutral, attractive. Yeah. So he can blend in with anyone, and he has obviously better interactions with people that he comes across with before he kills them or just completely ignores them. Right. So this sets up great what the T one thousand is and how horrifying this is going to be going to be because he can go anywhere. Right. If I could say one thing, uh, which I thought was what you mentioned was how it sets up who's fighting who. Um, this I think it's very awesome reverse symbolism when it's revealed that Arnold's the good guy in this one. Yeah. And he's wearing... Biker clothing. Donning, biker clothing and the cop's the bad guy. In yeah. This one, yeah. Which is a theme I support. Right. <laughs> so, and, and one thing, it's curious that like how it's structurally the same as the first act in the first Terminator because we see Arnold first. Mm-hmm. He beats up the punks, ramming his... His arm through the chest of one dude. Stick you out. <laughs> Stick my arm out through your spine. <laughs> I hope you have a big appetite. I'm gonna rip, I'm gonna shove my hand down your your stomach. Everybody, you got that spine. Yeah, there we go. That's what I was going. <laughs> I love the Running Man, um, which is actually just the Hunger Games. Yeah, the, no, no, yeah, the like there was somebody <laughs> made a video. There was uh, a YouTube channel that did like um, Arnold musicals. Oh my god! And they yes. did one. They did one for Predator. Like it was called "If It Bleeds, Please We Can we Kill can It." Kill it. <laughs> if it bleeds, we can kill it. If it bleeds, <laughs> we can kill it. And then they would they would go to each member of the little platoon and sing in their voice. So um, Billy's like so out there. Cut to Carl Weathers looking at Bill Duke. Why are you shaving? You don't have a beard. If it bleeds, we can <laughs> kill it. <laughs> and when they did the one for uh, Running Man. Is this chorus is, fuck you, the Hunger Games, you ripped us off for all your gain. And, and, <laughs> and then they, they put, like, like I respect Battle Royale, and even the most dangerous game, <laughs> but fuck you, the Hunger Games. And so, it is hilarious. And yeah, and like, it's so, that movie's so different from the Stephen King story. Because that is a Stephen King. I didn't know that was a Stephen I'm King. I'm pretty sure it's a Stephen King short story. But going back to the Arnold musicals, they did do one for Terminator Two as well. Yes, they did. Uh, where he's like more like the he's sad inside because all he wants to do is kill someone. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, and, and, and this kid nuded him pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> um, and the fact that we're like, yeah, like I, I don't know if like did I presume two thousand stabbed the cop because we just see him like punch him in the chest and he falls to the ground. I presume he turned his hand to his blade and just. Yeah, this is, his that's his signature thing in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, maybe he cut his head off. I don't know. Because there's, there's, no, there's no damage on the suit. No, yeah, but like we do see him like collapse on the ground, though, and his head's still attached. But does he really? Oh, wait, we do see that. Yeah. Okay. I mean, but he can form clothing, so he doesn't need the clothing. I just don't know if it needs to be complete beforehand before he can uh, good point. replicate it. So that's, that's my question is, uh, but we're getting into logistics of the... So kind of thing-like. Yeah. And so then we cut to... We see both John and Sarah in two different different kind of scenarios of where they are right now. We mm-hmm. see John in a foster family and then Sarah in a mental institution. Yes. Different situations. However, both trapped. Yes. And, like to point out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and since you, you picked up first, uh, have you, like, their introductions and like, their situations? Um, this, I, I actually think it was great that Sarah Connor's in, like, a mental institution because that would be the natural... That's what would happen if, if you like, knew. If you knew oh, for so a fact that the world was going to end, the world's going to end. How do you? What? What do you mean the world's going to end? Uh, the guy I'm in love with told me, "Where is he? He's dead now." Oh well, how does he know? He's from the future. How do you know he's from the future? Because a robot tried to kill us. Yeah, put him in a, a fucking mental institution. Yeah, you would. <laughs> yeah, no, nah, no, I don't trust you. <laughs> this lady's um, crazy. 
take the child away. Like you, mm-hmm. like you are not a responsible mother. Move like, the boy. Yeah, <laughs> I love, <laughs> I love the introduction of John because we don't know anything about John. No, the first Terminator. All we know is that he exists. Um, so getting to know him is like, oh, obviously he's the Generation X rebel with his Public Enemy T-shirt. Yes, and flannel, and he's listening to Guns N' Roses, and he's listening to Guns N' Roses while he fixes <laughs> his dirt bike, and he has a ginger friend with a mullet. Yes, ginger, ginger friend with a mullet. Who, um, when I watched it, I was like, that doesn't look like John Connor because I don't remember. The, I didn't remember the friend. <laughs> so I was like, wow, what the hell? This is really extreme going yeah. with a ginger for John yeah, Connor. Wow. Uh, is that the dude kid from Hey Dude or Sleepy uh, Shorts or something like that? He's on one of those believe, shows. What's the what's his best friend's name? I right? don't. I don't remember. Google <laughs> well, Terminator Two Ginger Friend. You will. It'll come up real Terminator fast. Terminator Two Ginger Friend. Uh, and then it's quickly established. And then throughout the movie, they talk about like how, which is how they handle. I think we were talking about it earlier. Um, Danny Cooksey. Mm-hmm. Danny Cooksey. Uh, he was in the Lorax. He was in the Lorax. Salute your shorts. Salute your shorts. There we go. Yes. Okay. And different strokes. Wow. Yeah, he was in different strokes. How different was, folks. What, was he a baby in that? <laughs> <laughs> had to be. Had to be. Um, but what was I saying? Oh, how the had he to- was stoop kid. In the hair in Hey Arnold. What? Well, Stoop Kid's afraid to leave a stoop. He looks like Stoop Kid. Congratulations, Ginger Mullet Kid, whose name I've already forgotten. <laughs> Danny Coxie. <laughs> how they have John Connor handling all this weaponry? How the, his mother's literally like, "I'm out," and he, she, he hands her a clip for her handgun in one scene. And I think they do a great job describing his upbringing with his mother when he was still with her. Yeah. He's like, oh, we used to live in Nicaragua. <laughs> we would run guns. And I yeah. was like, five. Yeah. And there's another scene where they go down to the bunker. He's like, you know, when I was growing up, I saw this how everybody lived. <laughs> Which is like insane trauma yeah. for a child. And I'm surprised he's as put well together in this movie as he is. Yeah, I mean, he is a, a delinquent and a criminal. A juvenile criminal, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, if you could rip off ATMs right now, I don't know. Yeah, but uh, would you? Now it's these cameras. Back then, yeah. I mean, back then, pre nine eleven, you could get away with fucking murder, essentially. Um, but yeah, no. But I think the part, a good part about him being like able to like break into ATMs and stuff like that, he has a natural, uh, natural knowledge of how computers work, which then leads to the fact that he eventually his knowledge of computers grows, and the fact that he now can reprogram Terminators. Terminators. Yeah. So that's a huge part of like the character, but um, yeah, that's uh, Tommy. Tommy, you can finish. Um, yeah, I mean, all I really have left to say is um, I just think the introduction the introduction of John was very very well done. How he like defies a step parents. I I like how they portray them as like like they're kind of like shitty too. Yeah, like they're not like, they don't seem like the greatest kind of people. Like his dad seems like really pissed off all the time. Yeah, and his. Mother can't control them, but right. she seems kind of... They seem like hicks. They oh. seem kind of backwater to me. And then, so, which is when we fast forward to the scene where um, he's talking to his mother on the phone, and he's like, something's not right. Yeah, because they're being too nice to they're him. They're being right? so nice to him. Yeah. What's your dog's name? Well, Max, what's wrong with Wolfie? Is everything right? Wolfie's, Wolfie's fine. fine. Wolfie's, where are you? That's that's how I know it. Like that's how I tested. Like if we ever end up in an invasion of the body snatcher situation, like that's the question I'm going to use. Like, like what's my dog's name? If they and like, and I'm like, like what's wrong with Wolfie? And to see if they react to that. <laughs> if they say that, like, all right, no, this is not the person I can trust. I, I, ha- I have to get away from them. Your foster parents are dead. Yeah, click and walks away. 
And Sarah, like, obviously, like, dealing with the trauma and, like, the abuse that she's having inside the mental institution. Yes, which they allude to but never directly address. Did you just watch the theatrical cut or the director's cut? I watched the theatrical one today. Okay. Because I didn't have as much time. They gotcha. Kinda, right. They kind of showed it. At least, yeah, there's a one scene bit. of, like, that was it Dougie, the one that she later hits in the face? Yeah. Um, at one point where the, they go in, uh, with any of the, the two orderlies go in after Silverman showing off all of his, like, star patients that he's being very... Yeah, yeah. Um, they go into the room. It's like, all right, you got to take your meds. She's like, I'm not taking it. And so they whack her in the chest with the baton Ooh. and then zap her with the taser. And then they force the pills down her throat. And apparently, production-wise, um, the actor wouldn't hit her. He felt very uncomfortable doing that to be kind of like... Stop before you hit her instead of like hitting her. I guess like I guess she might have had a pad like on her mm-hmm. stomach, but she still had to hit like class on the floor and hit her elbows and knees on the ground. And so four or five times they, he did that, and she was getting very upset. So later on, when she has to crack him in the face, I think the next day of shooting, she actually cracked him in the face. Oh wow! <laughs> like you could like, cameras like you could hear that for four blocks after he got whacked in the face. Linda Hamilton just out for my heart today. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And then like, how she tries to be the good patient in order to get certain privileges. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. And how like and you just see like someone's like, I know you're 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 lying. Yeah, and then you see that realization just kinda of sit in on her and then she's like like please I just need to have a phone call. Nope, not for a while. I guess we'll come back to this six months and she tries to fucking strangle, strangle him. him. Fucking great. Yeah. I'm just like, <laughs> Oh my god, like I like this totally makes sense and you understand, like, yeah, she's she's off a rocker. And but, then she gets the Drano fluid. Yes, later on, yeah. Good movie. <laughs> uh, so your feelings on these introductions and these two? Uh, I mean, both are both are very well done. It sets up like the strain, estrangement, uh, estrangement between the two because John Connor believes his mother is out out of her fucking mind. He has no father. He's just like, okay, my mom just keeps reaching in like the whole like the end of the world shit, whatever. Like, like he, like, so it's like, okay, you kind of understand where the kid's coming from. He's a little fucked up. Imagine, like, kids of cult members being, trying to be re- reintroduced to society. Yeah, I mean, but, I mean, he has, instead of, like, being, like, like completely, like, deer in a headlight, it's every, no, it, everything's just kind of like, whatever, we're all gonna die. Yeah, even if he's not, like, He's very cynic, has a very cynical nature at such a young age. Because he had to grow up so fast. Yeah. Because he has to be a leader of, of man. Yeah. So, but yeah, introducing John Connor as the delinquent living with foster parents and just not giving a crap. And it's like, he knows that he's going to get in trouble as soon as he gets home after his ginger friend uh, whisks him away on his motorbike. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, like I mentioned before, it sets up nice that they're breaking into ATMs and he's a hack. He's kind of a hacker. Yeah. So (laughs) I said, you're a nerd. I'm not a computer. I prefer to be called a hacker, as Liz says in Jurassic Park. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so it sets him up brilliantly and like, okay. And then it also does, it does set up his emotional character arc throughout the movie where he becomes trusting. He actually becomes kind of kid-like. Yeah. So he goes from being a super cynical adult to being a somewhat cynical kid at the very end. But also it's with the fact that like him possibly need to be a leader in the future. Yeah. But him like allowing like, you know, this is the reason why I need to be a leader type of thing. Right. Um, his mom, Sarah Connor, being in that mental institute was so awesome. <laughs> because uh, just because, like, it sets her because, like, like you guys said, it sets it up beautifully. That, like, hey, she's out of her fucking mind. Yeah, she needs to be taken away from her child because 
she's done so much shit to ruin his childhood already, and she keeps preaching Hashtag that- my childhood. What? Hashtag my childhood. <laughs> and she keeps preaching the end of the world is coming, we're all gonna die. It's like, this lady's out of her mind. She can't- she's not competent to be, to be a parent- and she's a hazard to herself and others. We have to put her away. Yeah. So that's what they do. And it sets her up really that she's a hard patient. The doctor doesn't take her shit. He knows what she's going to do. So that's why it's like, I don't believe that you're, I believe that you're just saying this stuff so you can get out of here. I don't trust you. You're not making any progress. You're probably not taking your pills. Guess what? Six months later, we're going to review this all over. Um, the orderlies, even though they, the orderlies are hard on her because she's a hard patient, but that does lead to them being really s- sadistic bastards. Yeah. Gro- and creepy too. Yeah. Later yeah, on. Especially when, when they tie, later, her, tie later, her down and he licks her, like. Licks her face later on. Like. Uh, uh, that, was, uh, that was what I was talking about, the allusion to the abuse. Yeah. yeah. Not actually showing it. But I guess they decided to show it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's um, like, oh. <laughs> like just see it. Bob it's like a, say that it's a fat, it's like it's like a fat dude with glasses just it's like oh oh god it is like it's like, no not going there uh, <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna shield that joke because i can get trouble for that one <laughs> no but yeah it sets up the people that they have to get through to uh later on the people that they need to get through to get sarah Connor out of the mental mental hospital mm-hmm. um sets up um the barriers for john connor and it sets up these two characters, how they get out, how, like you, Tommy mentioned before, like they're trapped. And these are the barriers that are preventing them from go, from leaving. Yeah. It sets them up pretty nicely. And then we get to see as an audience how they how each barrier gets broken down, what, they, what the Terminators have to do. Yeah. Because the Terminators, both of them, get them out. In, to, yeah. In their they're, own They're the motivators of the gang to, to break out of their yeah. containment. And... It's interesting that um, Jeanette Goldstein, who plays Vasquez in Aliens, like the really tough uh, female Marine, mm-hmm. is the stepmother in this. And she also – she also uh, she's also in Titanic. She's like the mother of the two Irish kids that go back to their room after they can't get out of the, like, the third level and then just presumably drown. And so, yeah, she's like one of the, like, one of the few actresses that show up again and again in Cameron movies. And hmm. – and of course, like this is another big tie-in, like you said, with prior plays. When we have the Guns of Roses, you could be mine um, song that was played. That Neil Drop has played several times throughout this movie, and they had a specific music video made with uh, the Terminator uh, Arnold going to a concert. I think it's like at the Whiskey A Go Go, which where Arnold, where Guns of Roses is playing it. So it's like everybody's like headbanging and dancing to it, and then you see Arnold's like walking through the crowd, scanning it, just like looking for them. And at the end of the video. Guns N' Roses leaves the backstage to go into their van, and the Terminator runs up with him. He goes to the Terminator Vision and runs up and down all the members, uh, and it gets to Axe Rose, and it says, like, a little text, waste of ammo. <laughs> <laughs> I always crack up in that moment when I, listen to, when I, when I see that. Um, yeah, and, and the fact that, yeah, that he's stepping outside authority, I mean, it definitely seems like, like at least the stepmother's trying Trying uh, to be, she's doing her. She's, she's working with what was given to her. Yes, I, I mean, like I understand, like there is a, if I'm not mistaken, there's a tax incentive for bringing in, 
Um, you, you, got, know, you get like a well, like you get kid gets a welfare check that's right. sent to them essentially. So like I know like there's been like horror stories of like taking children just for that, and, yeah. and there, but it's definitely not that situation here. The step the stepfather, I think, he doesn't really give a shit. Like it definitely seems like it's like, hey, it is Saturday. I am. I've been working all day. I just want to watch. I think I think it's wrestling or monster trucks or something like that. So he just wanted to chill out and smoke a cigarette and have and just have a beer. And he's like, fine, fine, what, what? And him wind like being prodded into trying to be an authority figure, the job which is not working. Uh, yeah, he wants to be the authority figure, but he's also not giving, he's not lovingly toward not giving him any like support, support, or no, no, nothing fatherly, but just he wants to be the 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 like. I'm in charge. You're a little shit. Yeah. Listen to me. And it's not working. It's not working. But I never saw the mom as being tr- as trying. She's yep. she's tired because she has a deadbeat husband and John Connor's like not helping. Not helping. He's rebellious and everything like that. And she has to do all the housework and shit. But I never took her as trying to be the mother figure. Well, I just feel like at least like she's in the fact that like the room has not been cleaned in a month and she's wanting her husband to try and help her. With dealing with John, you know, parenting. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, I just never got to feel that she was a. She was trying to be the mother. Okay. I just. I felt she's not as bad as the husband. Right. But they're both kind of just. They're just there to watch him until he's. Either he gets shifted to another home or he's eighteen. Yeah. And so then we get to Sarah Connor, and, and while she's like doing what she hands like she's training and like the first time I was able to do a succession of pull-ups this is the first thing I thought of was just Sarah Connor just doing the pull-ups off her bed <laughs> and I was just like as soon as like I got down off my pull-off bar I was like ah, and I had like ha- I, I, my, I had my hair down in my eyes so I'm just like ah. Oh. see this is when I'm supposed to get zapped with a taser now but luckily it's not going to happen <laughs> um, but yeah and like, that was something that Linda Hamlin wanted she wanted to play a crazy person this and luckily that's oh, a, it comes across. Very yeah, it's a very good job. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course, I even love the moment where we're watching the tape back of a previous um, session. Yeah, and then she's just like trying to play it calm and cool, and like everything's fine, I'm good, and playing possum pretty much, and trying to placate what Silverman wants. Mm-hmm. Who like he was? I don't say like he's an absentee doctor in the first one, but like, but it definitely seems like he's a much more opportunist and kind of scummy here. And I, I just feel like. I don't know, because I feel like he's just like, no, not for a while. <sighs> I guess we'll have to come back to this in six months. It definitely seems like he's not willing, he's not trying to well, really pay How long has she been in there, and how many times has she pulled this shit? Hmm. He seems defeated, if anything. Like, right. She's like, you're not, gonna get, you're not fooling anybody with your fake. Yeah, you, you get to a point where, like, yeah. compassion and, like, compassion goes away because, it's like, this person's not trying to make... She's not putting the effort to make herself better. Why am I? Why should I? Yeah, he will kind of flaunt her to like people while well, they're making rounds around the, or visitors around at the sanitarium. Though that's the one thing I wonder: like, is it like is this like kind of like a high profile patient to have there? It, it might be. That's probably what it was because I remember he was he. I think he introduced her as one of the more difficult patients, right? When he like shows her off. Gotcha. Doing pull ups. Yes, <laughs> and. and... There is a, in the extended cut. There is a dream sequence where we see Kyle Reese come back and try and like reinvigorate. Like, oh, 
you need to get out of here. And then we get to see a first glimpse of nuclear nightmare. Yeah, which I feel bad for Michael Beam because I actually thought he was decent in this and Aliens. Yeah, and, and, and they kind of wanted to connect this issue to have him in here and it works. And it's curious, like on the commentary, because at the end of his scene, like, because he, he just pops up in the uh, room with her. And then she's hugging him and, like, he disappears and she looks at the door and the door is open. He's standing at the doorway and he says, there's not much time left in the world. And he walks down the hallway. And apparently, when they shot that, they call, Cameron calls cut and a PA came up and said, we're at war. We just started bombing Iraq. And it was the first Iraq war. And I was just like, oh. Desert storm. Whoa. Yeah. yeah. I was like, well, that's kind of poignant. And there's, yeah, like, there's a little bit of awkward silence before they did the next setup. And I'm like, that must have been really uncomfortable to do that in the day. Yeah. Um, and so then we have T-1000 is doing investigating. We see him, like, go to the parents, the step-parents, and he's being very charming and very natural. And I love the moment. It was like, a yeah, big guy in a bike came by. Is anything to do with that? And he just looks up like, no. I wouldn't worry about him. And just slinks away. And so then we get to uh, – I never knew – I thought a mall was simply called a mall. I never knew, like, a Galleria could be another, ner- ta- another name for uh, a mall. Yeah, I didn't know if that was the name of, like, the arcade. But then yeah. they don't go directly to the arcade, so I've it's heard, obviously... I mean, I've heard, heard the gal- Galleria, like, those are, like... I kind of always associate them like, gigantic malls. Kind of like a Mall of America kind of thing? Yeah, well, like, Texas and California have... Yeah, like, I guess Mall of America would be considered a Galleria, but, like, Texas has Galleria's. California obviously has cal- Galleria's. Right. Like, there's no Galleria near us, Yeah, so. and, and, like, this is actually the Sherman Oaks Galleria, and it's, like, it's set... It's actually in the San Fernando Valley. It's been used in a lot of other movies, including, uh, like... Back to the Future Part 2, uh, Commando, which I can imagine that's when Commando, when he's, he's swinging from the giant balloons and he's, he's ripping the phone booth out of the wall, uh, chopping mall up Fast Times at Richmond High. And so it's, it's used to having movies shot there. But your feelings on the Terminator's closing in and then the motorcycle chase, Dakota. Okay. Um, it has to be one of my favorite scenes in the movie where he's cornered, John Connor's cornered. Because, mm-hmm. okay, the cop is... This cop is taking me away. I can't really get caught by this cop for he, whatever. He he's running because maybe the ATMs or whatever he's done. Yeah, I can't get caught by this cop. So he goes in the like the service corridor of all the shops and stuff like that. And the worst nightmare comes. The exact the spitting image of what his mother was telling him about the, what the Terminator looks like. Just walking down, bl- biker outfit, everything like that. Is, Holy shit. And get down. Whips out his the box of roses, has a shotgun in it, and starts blowing yeah, holes yeah, into guns the, and roses. There we go. There's <laughs> blowing holes. Is Cameron really hard for guns and roses? I, 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 it's, it's 91, so I guess. Yeah, yeah I, I would say so. Um, but they starts blowing holes in, into the T-1000. And, oh, my God. It was so cool. And then the presu- the chase afterwards was incredible, uh, especially when the T-1000 gets into the um, gets into the semi and starts chasing uh, John Connor on there. And then, obviously, Arnold shows up on his uh, on his uh, Harley yeah. and sa- saves the day, which that whole sequence was amazing and one of my favorite chase sequences of all time. And that also that the where they chase chase each other down yeah. that little that that section was also is also used in 
hundreds of mo- action oh, yeah. movies. I mean, uh, The Matrix 2 used it. Yeah. Um, crap, I also remembered other... Living and Die in L.A. uses that yeah, at one yeah. point. I mean, when, when they've stolen the, the money off the federal agent and all the federal... Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. Um, and even the show Mythbusters revisited that area to do some of their bigger shit, too. Really? Yeah. Huh. That makes sense. Yeah, so... Because they were based out of L.A., right? Yes, they okay. were based... I mean, the, they were two... Everyone is all uh, special effects people on that show, so they yeah, they know how to rig shit. That makes sense. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I this was one of my favorite chase sequences of in all the movies I think I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah. So great. Yeah, really great chase sequence. Um, I do believe though, if a semi hit the back of a dirt bike tire, that he would be super dead. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, no, no, like even like when you see the semi go off the. Overpass and crash down into this like pathway. You see the bottom of it, like it's falling apart and, it's, and it can't yeah. turn. It's going into that wall, and we just cut away before we see like it's supposed to hit the wall. Yeah, I mean, like yeah. So like we are also telling you, like we just saw two people come back from the future. Back to the future. Um, <laughs> I also love the hallway sequence because That's this so is good. also the pivotal moment where, uh, as I've been talking about the entire podcast where you don't know who the villain is and you get the slow motion walk of Arnold, the like roses falling, him stepping on the roses, the gun comes out. It's so like, it's almost John Woo like, yeah, yeah. it's, it's very, it's also I, the, with the, the roses falling and the gun coming out, I think was like kind of like a wink at like mafia movies. Kind of. Yeah. Like Tommy guns hidden in roses. Yeah, exactly. And like that. Which I thought was really cool. And until you hear him go, get down, you don't know who the bad guy is. <laughs> no. Yeah. Because they both pull the guns. They, they both, both pull pointing, guns. And they're yeah. both pointing in each other's direction. So Which, you're like, it's, and it's one, uh, like, uh, mall, uh, I guess custodian or something like that, or just crew member, just like, he had to go for that Pepsi. And you know what? And then he had to get a lot of fire. He yeah, had to get a lot of fire. No, so you get, just, he could have hit the floor. Uh, Poor Pepsi, guy. so that Pepsi is that good. Why <laughs> <laughs> should have worked retail? <laughs> and then the chase. And the chase. The chase is great. Um, I love when Arnold <laughs> grabs him by the back of the neck and just puts him on his motorcycle. Yes, and just puts him in front of him like a fucking like a fucking child. Yes, because the entire time he's like walking around this like cool badass, and then he's just lifted up. And then again, it's like that same imagery is reimagined later when we meet um, Enrique. This is the guy's name. Uh, yes. Yeah. And when he we meet uh, him and his family, and Arnold looks up the baby the same way, <laughs> and just looks at it like inquisitively, like what is this? Like, what is this thing? <laughs> I thought I thought humans came in one size. What is this? I could kill this so easily. I just like. Uh, but yeah, no, the sequence, uh, the chase scene is great. Uh, I love when it loses the semi, loses its roof, and then mm. you just see uh, <laughs> the side. <laughs> Oh, you lost me there, didn't you? Exactly. <laughs> um, if only he stuck himself out the window kind of, and start driving the semi like Ace Ventura. <laughs> uh, I'm trying to think of what else happens in the scene. you have anything? I was going to say, I, like, the, because uh, it's so funny. Like Ace Ventura, when I ran out of windshield wiper fluid once during the winter, oh my God. and so I, I had to stick my head out the window because I couldn't clean my windshield. So uh, I was like, it's freezing, it's nighttime, I'm going home from New Line, so I'm like, I'm on the LAE, like, <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> going like 60, I'm like, this is not good. 
It's not safe. That, 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 that seems good. No. I ran out of a bunch of wiper fluid too, and I was like, it was one of those like days where like it was somewhat melty. So I kept getting salt spray on my windshield, and the visibility kept going down and down to the point where it's like, okay, I think that overpass has water leaking down. I'm going to try to hit the water <laughs> so I can. <laughs> I mean, it's not as bad. It was New Year's Eve because I worked New Line, and then I went to a New Year's Eve party. I had a bottle of water because I because I, this I think it might be like a day or two. After, uh, or no, actually, this might have been actually early in the night now, thinking about it. This might have been the same night while I was doing this because, I'm like, oh, I'll fill my bottle up with water and let's pour it on the windshield and just, I'll use oh, the Oh, no. Pour it? Immediately. <laughs> Immediately. Like, almost like as soon as I left the bottle, it froze up my windshield. And so I'm like, God damn it. I, had, I didn't have a scraper. I don't know what happened when my scraper when I moved from one car to the other. And so I just had my work badge, and I'm chipping away <laughs> at the ice, no gloves, with my ID. I'm just like, motherfucker, god damn it. I was so pissed. But moving on to, like, how we have here, like, um, I love the scene because we have the kids, like, like I want to play Missile Command again, where John's, like, just shooting missiles out of the sky. And then, um, it wasn't, it was, like, not Airbender, I forget what the name of the other, like, arcade game he's playing, like, uh, Air Raider. Which I remember seeing in the arcades, so but I never got a chance to play, and I, I regret that now. And then, of course, we see the cops approaching, and John runs. And the thing is, with slow motion, when it comes to Cameron, he won't use slow motion for action. He'll use that to a build-up to an action set piece. Yeah, which we see throughout this movie. Yeah, and especially later on, when Sarah comes face-to-face with the Terminator, we see that in slow motion again. Mm-hmm. Or when the SWAT team kicks in, and when they're trying to get out of the... Um, and just the 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 dream sequence of the nuclear bomb going off. Yeah, and then like John Woo, like, he would use slow motion in the action set pieces. Yeah. That's why he he'll, Cameron will do it differently. And and more doves. Yeah, of course, several doves, lots of doves, doves on fire. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and of course, like we have like the get down, and John hits the floor, and Terminator grabs him and turns, and so Robert Patrick like that was not sped up footage that so that was him firing. A, a a semi-automatic pistol just like pop 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 I always found it weird like it made it sound like it had, the, the gun had a silencer on it even though it doesn't it was just a weird foley choice for the pistol sound of that okay um, but like if you see, like you've seen like the behind the scenes footage like there was like test footage of like Rob Patrick with like a kind of like an automatic pistol like a three round burst like brr, brr, testing then he's got fast enough to do it his, himself mm-hmm. and I love it when like yeah he he unloads, like, pretty much two magazines into the Terminator. Eventually, Terminator just turns around, like, all right, fine, enough of this bullshit. And then he starts putting the shotgun shells into the T-1000, and he eventually falls back on the floor. And, like, this is the only one time you can definitely tell is this uh, special effects shot because the colors kind of change when he reforms himself, and he gets up off the floor. Okay. Like, in the corners of the, the frame, you can kind of see it's a little brown. That's, like, the only time you see, like, the special effects really come call attention to itself. And we're, like it's a derogation of like the equality, but I love the moment when Arnold's reloading and the T one thousand grabs a shotgun, and the T one the, the both of them are like, "This is not supposed <laughs> to happen. We're not supposed to fight each other." And then, yes, nowadays we see superheroes punch each other through buildings all the time, mm-hmm. but seeing them just two beings throwing themselves in the walls and just seeing the walls crack, it's somehow still really effective to me. Oh yeah, I mean these it shows that these are two powerful entities. Duking it out. Yeah, and eventually... Literal machines. And yeah. tossing um, Arnold out through the uh, uh, display window. And T-1000 gives chase to uh, uh, um, John Connor again. 
the dude with the camera taking pictures of uh, Arnold getting up is actually co-writer Will Wisher, who was actually in the first Terminator. Uh-huh. After um, Arnold punches through the windshield and he gets thrown off the car and his like his hair like his hair is kind of singed. Yeah, he's the cop that he takes the car uh, the cop car from. Oh, oh. And, and, and always, I, in my head, can like yeah, that cop lived after he bashed his head into the car, and like he's having kind of like like a, a Vietnam flashback at that moment, seeing Arnold again. He's like UFO, <laughs> like oh god, I wasn't honey, lying about this thing, honey, honey. This is oh my god, not this again. You weren't. He was not a robot. He was a robot. He's back from the dead. He how do you take that many bullets? Here, I have pictures this time. <laughs> and that, that's how his wife leaves him. Though she's like, no, I'm done with this. I, I read this whole wrote this whole side story of this cop. <laughs> Afterwards, and I love how in the parking lot, like John gets on his motorcycle and he runs away. And on the commentary, they were mentioning the fact like it was on a rig, and it was an insert car for the driveway. And, and John Car like Edward Furlong is just gonna mine like he's riding. And Cameron wants the insert car driver and says, "All right, this guy's fast, so you better get out of the hole quick." He's like, "He won't catch me." First take, they go. Rob Patrick runs up. Taps Edward Furlong on the shoulder. <laughs> in those cop shoes, he was able to run that fast. And then so that afterwards, they were able to go a lot much faster. Faster, more intense. Um, and then when he rips the, the semi-driver out, he was supposed to tuck his head and kind of like roll. Yeah. And that like that take of him like plopping, that was a mistake. He wasn't supposed to do that. And apparently the stunt coordinator was like, oh, you did that, you did that wrong. We got to do it again. And so made the guy do it again. Oh my god! And he oh used god. he used the first take of him like just like because that hurts. Yeah, him falling out of that truck like oh that hurts. And the reason why this chase sequence works so well, I mentioned on a podcast before, is that there's the 180 degree rule rule of filmmaking. If you see two people facing each other and you you look at them from a bird's eye point of view, you draw a dotted line down the middle of them, cutting them down the middle of their nose, like to the left side and right side. Mm-hmm. You put the camera one side of that line. No matter what happens, you'll always know the geography of where they are in relation to each other. So in this, the camera's either in front of John, to John's left, or behind John. Those are the only three setups you see for the entire set. So you always know what direction they're going in. It happens here and happens later on in the helicopter chase. So, and the same thing happens in the same part of Ryan when they take Omaha Beach. The, the camera stays on one side of the characters. So, no matter how fast the cutting is, you know everybody's relation are to each other. Okay. So, with that in mind, I don't know, because this is what made the argument of. In Phantom Menace, people cut, like, beat the crap out of the pod racing scene. Yeah. Because it, like, they only move left to right, left to right. But the way you explained it, in that movie, it's keeping that 180 rule. Yeah. yeah. But why is that? Why in that sequence does that not work? I think it's just work? constantly panning and not tracking with them so much. Okay. I, and I think maybe if you sprinkled in more POV shots of the pod races actually going, maybe people would have more would have had more. I would have had a little less problem with it. Maybe. Yeah, but no, like seeing it from that side, and then like, and if you okay, say if you were on one side and you cut to directly in front of them, mm-hmm. you could theoretically go to the other side because you re- you reoriented. The yeah. where they so yeah that's why in Mad Max Fury Road the they premise have those, is those semicircle shots of him yeah and okay. then and for the most part they would keep the most important thing in the frame in dead center and so you always knew where it was no matter how fast the cutting is in that movie and it's like, that has like three thousand cuts in there okay and, and I I appreciate how it's done here because it makes so much sense and like there's so much clarity to it 
and one thing that Cameron said, like a lot of like the low angle shots when they're in the, I don't know what you call that, like, I don't know, not the aqueduct or whatever pathway they are when they're actually in the, the LA I, waterworks pretty yeah, much. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty much Cameron in a sidecar on a motorcycle doing it handheld while dude is going like 60 miles an hour. Mm-hmm. He's like, you haven't lived until you saw a semi-truck just come right on top of you. You're like, oh, God, oh, God, oh, God. <laughs> and I just imagine like Jeff Goldblum's voice like, must go faster, must, must go, go faster, faster. <laughs> in the back of your head for that. And this is the first use of wire removal when Arnold goes flying off the, the edge of like the pathway in slow motion and then lands in the waterworks. He was on a wire? Yeah. Really? Like the, 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 when the motorcycle goes off and it lands, that's the first use of wire work. You could have fooled me that, that I just kind of assumed that was like a stuntman. It is a stuntman, but like if that was not just a motorcycle just going off and landing. That like, motorcycle would fall to pieces. Yeah. Okay. But could like, have fooled me. Yeah, and you look very closely because I like one thing that I, I like, I saw like you'd see a little bit of like a, an outline of it mm-hmm. because they weren't they're like no we won't use green we'll use like bright orange so the computers can find it quicker and like Cameron's like I don't that know if that's gonna work idea. but alright we'll try it and for the most part it works like you if you're not looking closely you will not see it mm-hmm. and it's one cool thing about this is when the motorcycle's kind of trying to get around the semi and it's those really low wide angle shots like looking up at the motorcycle and semi made it look huge I, I, those moments are uh, I always found awesome, and of course, when you said Tommy, when he lifts top, uh, lifts John off, it's like you're coming with me now. <laughs> Puts him in the baby seat in front of him. Semi crashes, and we have to blow up. And the most probably the most badass shot of the movie is this time him recocking the shotgun and pointing it oh, in that yeah. direction. The flip recock is like such a great part of just this movie. Yes, in and there was there was two like there's two versions of that shotgun, like one that was meant for that, and one that's just like for a prop. And apparently, at one point. Arnold grabbed the wrong one and tried to do that, and he like broke like three fingers doing oh my that. God. Um, and we and like that kind of mechanism has been around in movies for a long time. But you think of the True Grit, oh, yeah. John Wayne with him, he's got that. It was yeah, John Wayne could not do that nearly as smoothly as Arnold. did. No, yeah, but, but also Arnold was like just constantly practicing it while in between setups, so I can see that why. Yeah, and because you mentioned that, that's the first thing that pops to mind. John Wayne did that with the uh, with his pop with um. Oh, crap. The Winchester rifle. Yeah. Yeah. On a very clear dolly. Yeah. yeah just... <laughs> I am clearly not on a horse in this movie. Whatsoever. <laughs> um, and then... <laughs> <laughs> and there's outtakes of, like, because when Arnold, like, holsters the shotgun, he's not looking at Edward Furlong. So there's a couple takes of him, like, bringing the shotgun in between them and just clocking Edward Furlong in the head. It's like, clank, clank, clank. It's like, eventually, it's like, all right, let me just slide in. Here we go. And so, afterwards, Arnold, like, like John interrogates the T-800 about who he is and what he's doing there. And he reveals the fact that, yeah, I'm sent from the future. I'm here to protect you. Um, so, we have the, the, the murder of the step-parents and then the rescuing of Sarah at the hospital. Tommy, your feelings on these two big set-pieces. Um, what's her name? The stepmother. Uh uh, did was playing the audience basically in this scene. Yeah, with the father in the background being an annoying piece of shit. He's like about to drink out of the carton, and she's just like the sup mother samurai sword through your fucking throat. Yeah, <laughs> through the head. Like Janelle Voigt is the character's name. Gotcha. Well, Janelle. Janelle then makes her arm into a sword. Because obviously this is was where we this is also where we get to see that the uh, T one thousand can 
mimic. Yeah. Uh, and we find out Arnold can mimic as well because he takes the phone from John and does the infamous Wolfie line. Yeah. Then he mimic in the first movie? Yeah, he could. He, I don't remember. Yeah, because at one point when he's in the cop car... And then uh, he uses he pretends to be Will Wisher while like reporting where he is, and then he pretends to be Sarah's mother, and ask where she is, and that's how the Terminator's able to find him at the motel. Gotcha. So, uh, yeah, love the sword through the head. That tops, top great effects, great practice. Yeah, yeah. that one. Like so good. <laughs> um, and then the rescuing of Sarah. Yeah. Um, this is another great scene because this is right after he's told he's not allowed to kill yes so he w- walks up to the guard the guard's just like visiting hours are over man and he just walks up and just pulls a gun on him and it, the guy's like whoa what are you doing and then he just bam both kneecaps he's just like what are you doing he'll live <laughs> <laughs> this guy's writhing and pain on the ground just, and this is also God. where we get uh because what's great about this scene is they're going to rescue sarah but she is incidentally also breaking out yes so she Got the the uh, paperclip out of uh, which she steals from the uh, when the cops come to interrogate her about about when they realize this is the same guy who killed the police officers in 1984. Right. Um, She's trying to break out because the because obviously the Terminator's back. Yeah. And so okay, she has to get the hell out, get get John, uh, get John out wherever he is. Yes. Right. Uh, So she gets like she gets pretty far in her own. Mm -hmm. She wouldn't have escaped though. She probably wouldn't have escaped. No. Uh, she does get to beat the shit out of the dude who licks her face. Yes. That's a pretty great scene. Yeah. Um, also, like I said before, I love the when he she takes a syringe and fills it full. First, she sticks the guy in the ass and makes him pass out. Yeah. And he takes the same syringe, puts it into a thing at Drano and fills it up and puts it into the doctor's neck. Yeah. Which is, like, she definitely... Cause, there's definitely like he definitely got some of that shit in his bloodstream because even like later on he's like still sweating and like 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 I don't know. <laughs> I just I think her whole escape sequence is just very riveting. Um, she had yeah she she had the thing in her neck and then that's when uh, the doors open and boom Arnold's there and she's like oh no not again. <laughs> Yeah, essentially she's trapped herself in when he shows up. Yes. Great scene. And then she obviously falls behind, falls back and just starts, like, freaking out. It's another slow motion scene. And then it's like, come with me if you want to live. Yeah. Which, like, which is, like, the one line that makes her really, like, wait, what? Like, I need to go with you right now. Yeah. Because... And the fact that John's with him. Yeah. And he's alive. Yeah. She's yeah. able to put it together real quick at that point. Doesn't trust him. No. But knows that's a better wouldn't. option. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, but yeah. Uh, so that's all I have for those scenes. Nice. Yeah. yeah. No, I love the fact when uh, when uh, Arnold is explaining to John, like, this is what you sent me back here to obey all your commands and everything like that. It's like, really? Yes. <laughs> Stand on one foot. <laughs> like just just those like simple commands and stuff like that. It's when, like when the guys come over because he because he's like he's like get the psycho off of me, let yeah. go of me, and then he does. Like, they're being good Samaritans you... right yeah, now. Yeah, being good Samaritans, and then he's first of all, fuck John Connor. Oh yeah, he was being a little shit. What a dick. Like, and I, what's great about this scene, I think, is very funny, is when he's like, oh. Nothing dipshit. Put your leg down. Like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like, still standing on one leg. 
<laughs> yeah, I love that sequence. And then, yeah, the, obviously when they get to um, they get to the hospital, he kneecaps the security guard, and he then breaks into like, put, like he did he walk into the, the guard guardhouse or did he break through the window to open the gate? He, he pushed through the window. He could have just easily just walked into it's it. It's not cinematic. I know, but it's like it's, you live. I mean, he already he already also, alerted the guards by capping the knees of the guard on the outside. So they were, they were preoccupied with what was going on inside. Yeah, I know. So nobody was responding anytime soon to those two gunshots. That's true. But uh, yeah, that that whole sequence, and then obviously her. Um, uh, Sarah Connor's escape, tr- oh, attempted escape, yeah. only to be met, met by the T-1000 there. Um, was was he there? I mean, obviously, it was the closest link to get to John, but was do you think the T-1000 was there to kill Sarah Connor, too, or just because he knew that John was trying to go to get her? I feel like he would kill her and then assume her identity and wait, much like he did with Janelle. And okay. Like he did at the end. Yes. Okay, makes sense. And... But, oh, my God, so the sequences in that scene, along with her running through, obviously, with Drano in the neck, uh, her being the crap out of the orderlies, and then, like, obviously, her, like, running through. Okay, now the, now the guards are after her, so she goes through the one uh, one set of jails, locks, the, locks it, and breaks the key off in it so they can't get it. Can't get in. Now the only thing separating her to freedom is the elevator bank and then running it getting off the property, and then obviously she gets stopped in her tracks by seeing the T-800 coming out of the elevator. Yeah, her nightmare yeah. being coming back to the Which is a very sequence, same sequence, similar sequence of when John first saw him, like, this is what my mother's been describing my entire life. Yes. And only now she's seeing the return of what she smashed all those years ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, very different turnout of, come with me if you want to live, which has been ripped off and everything. Yeah. Including the first Terminator. Yeah, yeah, Kyle says that to her in the first place. Yeah, but yeah. Oh yeah, but uh, this is like. But this that was like a nod because then it's like proved you can trust. Yeah, she should trust him. Sorry, just right. I'm not smooth with these chips today. It's okay. Uh, but no, this sequence was great. It was a lot. Of, it was a lot of fun to watch it. Uh, really intense. Really quick. Really fast. Quick. Quick pace. And yeah, I mean, you kind of feel for her because she's trying to escape to save John, which. We all know already that he's already in good hands, but then obviously the attention that the Team 1000 is there, he could do all the shit. Which, by the way, great CGI of him just phasing through uh, uh, the, bars. the bars, which now the doctor was like, oh, God, Sarah Connor was not fucking crazy. Yeah. Or I'm just on drugs right now or whatever. <laughs> maybe maybe, maybe that Drano is really fucking with me. Uh, it's so funny because he comes back in the third Terminator for like one scene. Yeah. And... It's after, like, Claire Danes um, is kidnapped um, to be part of, like, of the people he, that Terminator must rescue. And they, well, and she believes that she's being kidnapped by the T-100, the T-800, and John Connor. Mm-hmm. Or the T-850, like, he's a new model. But at one point, like, she gets away from it. She's being, like, treated by, like, paramedics. And Dr. Silverman comes up, like, you think it's crazy things, hostage situation. You start seeing things, insane things. <laughs> and then at one point, like, when the T850 comes out, he starts gunning down all the cop cars, and he Silverman sees the Terminator again. He just runs across the cemetery. He just doesn't care. He's like, "No, I'm getting away from this man." But was this a scene where we first start seeing that the T1000 was malfunctioning? No, that comes later after the uh, when they're in the smelting plant. Okay, so it's not he did not get stuck in the bars. No. He just faced his gun through. got stuck because oh. that because that's not part of him. Okay, okay. 
I remember something got stuck. I didn't remember it was his just his hand because it got stuck. It was malfunctioning yet or not? Right. Okay. Sorry about that. No, I, I find it funny because somebody made that gif of him like passing through the bars, and then it was a, a gif of a dog, like a poodle, going through the bars too. And <laughs> it's like T one thousand, the dog, and then it cuts to the doctor dropping the, the tip of uh, the syringe. <laughs> But I really enjoy the sequence because it's the ingenuity of Sarah Connor and that she's not going to be a damsel in distress. Because you can argue the fact in the first one she's on the run for the most part. Yes, she's proactively trying to escape, but it's definitely seen in this movie she's definitely like taking matters into her own hands and trying to protect herself because mm-hmm. she doesn't have anybody. And she needs to and she has to try and save John. And of course, like you mentioned before, where she takes out the one guard and sticks the, breaks Silverman's arm. And then sticks a syringe of Drano in his in his uh, neck, and then when she gets to um, that, I, I forget what the I forget what the, that was called. The like you need to be buzzed in and out, like that kind of like like little like entrance, and like all the security guards like just put, put down, put the syringe down. And Silman says at one point, like, "I don't believe you're going to do this, sir. You're not like this." He, he believes that like, she's not that violent. He's like, you're dead, we're all dead, I, you know I believe it, so don't fuck with me. And then he's like, all right, now open the door. He realized that, <laughs> open the door. I love the repeat of the line, you're you're already dead. It's such like a great, just something about it. I just like, I'm going to start yelling at people. <laughs> you're already dead. We're dying more. We're dying each and every day, slowly. And it's such a nihilistic way of doing things. And then, of course, when one of the orderlies separates um, Sarah from Silverman, she just... Like, punches him in the face. And Wait, just... did you say he separates Sarah from Silverman? Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yes, Jean splices Sarah from Silverman. There we go. And she says, nightmare comes true. And like in a dream, like you feel like you can't get away from anything. And I love the fact when she runs back into the orders who try and subdue her, unaware of the Arnold's coming up in the rear. Mm. And Arnold just literally ragdolls all the orderlies, like, to the window. To, to the wall. wall. Oh, sweat, to to down sweat drop down my balls. Oh, ski, ski, Like, the one dude goes through the window of the door and, like, kind of rolls off. One dude's face bounces off the wall. I feel bad for the guy who gets thrown through the window with, like, the chicken wire. Yeah, and he's like, oh, like yeah. Oh. He's, he's scarred for life. Yeah. <laughs> Literally. Well, everyone's scarred for life. Let's well, be honest. The here. woman who got pushed, I think she's fine. <laughs> Just the face. Like, <laughs> okay, she's fine. Okay, but, like. She broke the glasses, though. Oh, but the guy who got his face slammed into the wall, I think he's, um... He might be dead. He might be dead. Or he's eating vegetables <laughs> for the rest of life. That's like the technicality right there. He didn't shoot him. Or he's eating food through a straw, yeah. 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 Um, and, I, like, that's, like, how he pushes that woman, like, with, like, like I wish I could do just people who really annoy me, just, like, push them in their face and they go flying. They're like, oh, just get out of here. And, of course, the T-1000 shows up, and they get into the elevator, and they blow off, they blow the T-1000's head in half. Yes. Which is a mixture of practical effects of the explosion, and of course the CGI puts it back together. When the T-1000 is on top of the elevator, sticking his arms through the top of it, apparently when they're shooting it, they shot part of it, they broke and came back, and Sarah Con- and, and Sarah, uh, Linda Hamilton forgot to put back in her earplugs. Mm. And so they're in an enclosed space, and as soon as that shotgun went off, like right next to her head pretty much, ba-boom, you, get, like, it's, you shoot any gun without earplugs, they're loud. Oh, well, yeah. And it's what, yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> up, up. <laughs> like, it's like, oh god, no! It's like this is not good. And so she had some hearing problems after that. And of course, they steal the security car, and the T one thousand is running after him, and they're going in reverse. And this is the question: like, 
like it could have been a moral question having with this movie where you have the the child of the movie handling firearms in here. Luckily, he's just handling just reloading of them. He's not actually shooting them. Yeah. He never holds like a gun. In the yeah, movie, which is pretty crazy. Yeah, and which you could like if like certain people like like oh like it works like like Logan they do that and like Red Dawn they do that. It depends on movie to movie. I mean, like, there's a great scene in Unbreakable where the kid pulls the gun on his father and hoping that he would be a superhero. Oh, my God. That That's, scene was the definition of intense. Yeah. And Talk, uh, if you don't want to breathe for five minutes in a movie, you watch, watch that. Yeah. And I, I love it when, like, of course, they, they do a 180 in the parking lot and they're driving away. And the T-1000 turns his arm the blades and he's climbing up the back of the car. I think of The Simpsons when Homer's chasing Flanders with the golf clubs. Oh, that's an obvious homage. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Flanders is barely trying to get away from Homer. Homer's got golf clubs. He's climbing up the car trying to get a Flanders. I forget what the hell he's trying to get him for. He's just trying to get his attention. He's like, Flanders? And then he drives off and he rolls. Homer rolls away. And then Homer gets up and goes, huh, guess he didn't notice me. <laughs> And uh, really cool stuff because, like, a lot of that stuff, when that's on um, rear screen projection, that's not, like, a blue screen background or anything. That's, like, them on stage and just rocking the car back and forth and able to have the images fly past them, almost like a Hanna-Barbera cartoon, if you really want to think about it. But it's... it's yeah. But it's, um, the blue lighting of it, the cinematography of it is able to kind of blend it in. And it's weird because... A part of the two thousand is blown off, and it's just like the claw sticking in the 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 trunk, which John grabs and throws off. I thought that was gonna come back and play somewhere, like where like oh now the T one thousand has John's DNA, and I thought he was gonna replicate him at one point, and like trying to get close to anybody right. like this or like that piece of a. Turns, I don't know, into a mini T-1000, well, I don't know. He's just a little virtual. Or, or, or turns into like the hand from the Evil Dead 2 and then tries to kill John. Yeah. Like that. It's, uh, oh my god, what's... Um, but, uh, no, if they say he could only replicate things that are the same size as him. And the same mass, yeah, okay. Yeah. That makes sense. And then... So, he wouldn't be able to... Technically, he wouldn't be able to mimic Arnold because he's just bigger. Well, I, I guess there's limits than reason, because um, they say nothing, because he acts like, well, can he, why does he turn himself into, like, a bomb? It's like, oh, it's too complicated. Yeah. Or, like, some, well, he has something else, and he's like, no, he can only do things that are his size. Right. So, like, other people, like, I guess other adult. Yeah. Okay. And a similar yeah. mass of him. Okay. There, there's a great explanation that Cameron goes into detail in the commentary about, like, how the, because they thought about the physics of why this worked, what they could do, and what they couldn't do. Which is smart. Yeah. It, it, it's more it's the fact that it's more grounded in hard science fiction than science fantasy like they're trying to put a re- science reasoning behind it mm-hmm. and then we have Sarah kind of being like very like you didn't have to come and save me you put yourself in harm's way I could have taken care of myself and like John's like I just try to be good to see you too ma yeah and yeah. it's like, it's, it's like and then of course she's being very coarse and cold and she's like this up until a certain point and it's part of her character arc and then there's this I think up until she tries to assassinate Dyson. Yeah, Dyson. She's that way to him. Exactly. Yeah, because she just wants. To, she's, she's trying to be a military leader to him and trying to be aspiring for him. And then we have the garage scene where they remove the bullets from like the T eight hundred, and then in the extended cut, we see them reset uh, part of the T eight hundred where they literally drill in the part of his head and they remove his chip. You know, why did they have to reset him? Um, because. In the extended cut, is like for him to go beyond his programming and learn. And, gotcha. so, he, and okay. so he can function in society a little bit better. And in that scene, they remove the chip from the T-800, and Sarah's about to smash it. 
and thinking we do not need him. He'll just bring attention to yeah. ourselves. I like we don't point- know what this is going to do. Yeah, I like to point out I wa- the f- only version I ever saw was the extended cut, so I just thought this was naturally part of the movie because it worked so well. Yeah, and, and the theatrical cut, it's like, it's literally like, it cuts like, um, Sarah Connor, it's like an 80 yard line, like, the more interaction I have with humans, the more I learn. Cool. And it's moving. Yeah, they, they do it in one line. It's, yeah. It's, out, it's when they're at uh, Enrique's place, he says it. Yes. Yeah. No, no, it was because it was in the garage, and they expand upon it more when they're in, in Enrique's place. Okay. Yeah. And it's cool because how they did it is because Linda Hamilton has a twin sister, and how they did it is because, like, because they have the the back of the T-800, a prop, with Linda Hamilton here, and the background there is Arnold through a facade look like a mirror with her sister, because the camera just goes around and looks up as they remove, like, his scalp and remove part of the chip in all one shot. Obviously, nowadays, you do that with multiple layers and right. masking. Yeah. But, like, it, to do that in camera is really interesting. And the fact that this is the first moments of John being a leader mm-hmm. and showing that, like, if you want me to be this great military leader, why don't you trust my decisions? Which Sarah's like, fine. He's like, all right, have it your way. Which, at that point, like, if you're putting the chip back into that Terminator, like, I'd have... Like the forty-five in the hole with it. Oh yeah, just in case. Uh, if like, he does resetting. go off, like, I, I just blow the chip apart. Like and we're like, Oof. well, no, but we I tried think, it. I think they, I think they were in the clear when he, as soon as they plug it back in, he's like, like is, is was, there, there was there a problem? Yeah. And he goes, oh, why do you say that? Because the because the time she should not have taken that long to remove. Yeah. Remove the chip. And of course, like I always love that moment where it's like we see the Terminator standing watch. And it's just like him that one position. It's night time and it just fades into day. He oh, has I love a, that shot. Yeah. He's never, he hasn't moved an inch. Yeah. And of course we get to, when they get, they learn to have some slang, like, hasta la vista, baby, chill out, dickwad. And then we have the car, the rest stop scene. So, Dakota, your feelings on the rest stop scene and the learning of Dyson as well as Terminator becoming more human. I mean... I feel like the extended cut does the learning more to become human a lot better. I'm not sure how the theatrical cut was, but, like, when they're at the gas station, that was, like, the most, like, okay, well, this is what they say, the hasta la vista, like, you know, hasta la vista, hasta la vista. Like, obviously getting some memorable lines from him where he's being programmed for those to eventually pay off later in the movie. Right. Um, this is the smiling. This Yeah. yeah. So you never seen this. No. It was hysterical because, like, he, you know how he always has, like, this neutral scowl, resting right. bitch face going? Um, he, so he's like, you know, you, you should smile more because people smile. People find things humorous and everything like that. And it's like, what the smiling? And it looked like that guy over there he points out another guy at a rest stop talking to his girlfriend and, like, t- the. T-800 looks, scans the facial muscular, and he looks back at John. And you're not going to see this, obviously, on your podcast, but he just... Think of a donkey. <laughs> or a horse. <laughs> and just slowly forces, like, this toothy, <laughs> evil grin. Like, gr- it's like... And John looks at him and like, we need to work on that. He's like, he's like, <laughs> he goes right like, back to just... <laughs> like, like, offended by that. <laughs> Which is great. Uh, that's whole sequence. It, it's especially the character, uh, it's so such character building for both the T 800 because it, now it's learning and now it's being kind of like an obedient dog in a way, but also like so, something that John Connor can look up to. Yeah. Um, John Connor's learning to like, kind of not be as 
stoic bastard all the time. Yeah. And also, yeah, you do also have um, Sarah Connor looking out at this, inter- like at them interacting, and she's kind of like, she still doesn't trust the T eight hundred at all. But she's kind of like, what is going on with this thing? This, yeah. this really did. Did John really send this thing back for? For him, right. does he know why? Like, is this the main, real reason why he sent the T eight hundred back and stuff like that? Mm-hmm. So you have that all going on. Um, we are introduced to the guy who does. Uh, what's the guy's name? Dyson. Dyson, played by Joe Morton. Yeah, so we get introduced to Dyson and his obsession with this arm, mm-hmm. like the T, the Terminator arm from the first yeah, movie. Because we find out because in there was deleted scene in the first Terminator at the end where we see like. Sarah Connor gets wheeled out of the factory after destroying the first Terminator. Mm-hmm. There was the lead scene where, like, it's two people, like, who are representatives of that company find the arm. Yeah. And, it pull, and when the ambulance leaves with Linda Hamilton, the camera pulls out and it's Cyberdyne. Ooh. That's how Ooh. they knew it. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that. Yeah. Okay. And it was, I, I, I guess, like, maybe they didn't know it was going to be a sequel. Maybe that's why they didn't do that. Or maybe, like, because the movie's, like, an hour and 45 minutes, the first Terminator, it is really freaking fast. Uh, but, um, but, uh, Tommy, your feelings on, like, the rest-up scene and then, like, the feelings of, like, the kids playing with the guns and they're they uh, comment yeah, on the fact. first movie was hour 47. Okay. Um, I think the kids playing with the guns is, that was a great scene. That was a great, uh, symbolism of how violent in nature, and it's also... Uh, how humans are just violent in nature, and then Arnold kind of weighs in, and I, I keep referring to him as Arnold, but I don't it's know why. Same. Yeah. But yeah, it's just so Arnold weighs in, and with Uncle his, Bob, yes, um, when Uncle Bob <laughs> weighs in with his wisdom, um, he even says like, "You guys, you just naturally destroy things. Yeah, that's what you do." Um. So I think it was a great symbolism with the kids playing with the guns. They're just like, I got you. I got you. Like, no, you can't kill me. I got you. I got you. And they're debating over who's dead, which is like a super dark and kind of funny thing to think yeah. about. Um, we also have uh, – we're talking about – first of all, um, I think the scene where he's teaching him slang mm-hmm. should be viewed to every kid of all – ages as they get to like when they get to 10 they should watch that scene mm-hmm. and just look at how terrible slang was in 1991 yeah, <laughs> yeah. i don't think i've ever said as la vista seriously <laughs> no, I don't think no, because, has. because i think because the parodies of this movie you couldn't take that seriously no, no. and there what else does he say what are some of the slang things he says he says Ch- later dick later dick chill out dick chill out dick yeah you can buy them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you just chill out, dickwad. See, they look no problemo. Yeah, no problemo. <laughs> you don't say affirmative. You say no problemo. <laughs> Radical, bro. Uh, yeah, this is when Ninja Turtles show up and they teach the T eight hundred slang. Yeah, Cowabunga! Cowabunga! How about some pizza? I'm a cool but rude guy. <laughs> Donatello. <laughs> the T-800 learning to skateboard. Get on the skateboard. Uh, <laughs> now I'm just thinking of Batman Brave and the Bull when uh, Red Tornado is trying to learn the spirit of Christmas. Oh my god. Red Tornado goes to try to be a caroler. <clears throat> jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle. <laughs> Closes the door Aww. in his face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love. Oh my god, such a dark, sad ending to that episode too. I think it has a happy ending. He learns the value of Christmas. 
That's Batman good. has a horrible ending. What, what, Batman Brave and the Bold? Yeah, that episode ends on a down note with Batman remembering, like... Oh, yeah, you're right. Yeah. I thought you were talking about the other... When he had to kill his son. When, no, when my had to, God. That was a dark that episode. Was so dark. But no, Batman had a dark ending to that episode yeah. where it's like... It was like... He, where it he was, remembers because he guessed... He, it was like, it, that was like the definitive version of that. Yeah, Bruce Wayne was a dick and that's why his parents got killed. It was like... Yeah. <gasps> yeah, anyway. <gasps> oh, sorry. Back to Terminator. Okay. <laughs> we got to do a Brave and Bold series. I think we need to be aware of the Batman first. Yeah, be, we the- gotta finish Justice League first. <laughs> we only did the first three episodes. We're, like, We're gonna make a series. And- <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, um, my feelings on this rest stop scene, yeah, of course, like, obviously, the face of... T- <laughs> when, like, when somebody says, like, like... Uh, I made the joke like, oh, I'm gonna try. Like, I texted friends like, oh, I'm like, I'm gonna try to pick up these chicks, and I sent that picture. Like, that's like that <laughs> face I go up to women at the bar like <laughs> with, and and of course like Terminator comments on the fact that like it's in your nature to destroy yourselves, and like yeah, that's humanity. Just and now we just have the ultimate weapon to do that. That's like the big conceit of this movie is nuclear weapons being the ultimate way of d- destroying humanity. Sorry to go to show me <laughs> the scene where he's <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> Why don't I have this gif on my phone? <laughs> I don't know why this scene was cut. This is this is this is unspeakable. They should have kept that in. And if we hear more about Dyson, and in the, the extended cut, we cut to Dyson's family, and we see like they're supposed to go to a water park, and Dyson's like, no, no, I'm just working a little bit harder. And we find out why is he so obsessed with it, and he's like, well, imagine like if you had you had somebody like a, a pilot who is not tired or or doesn't need to sleep or doesn't have to come into a job hungover. Meet the pilot. Like, this is the future. This is be a betterment for humanity. And he's trying to be that person, trying to push forward what we can do. And so that's why he's so obsessed with it. Mm-hmm. And, but, like, he's like, like, your family needs you. He's like, all right, let's go, let's go to the water park. And it's called Raging Waters, which the joke my friend Chris and I made because there's a band testament. One of their songs at their first album is called Raging Waters. So, like, we're like, Raging Waters! And then we just go, we jump into an air guitaring of that because we're silly like that. And then we get to the bunker and the encampment, of, and we find out, like, John's, like, interacting, like, the, teaching the Terminator more. He asks why you cry. And Sarah comments on the fact of, like, him becoming more of a father figure as they build up their arsenal. Uh, Dakota, your feelings in this scene. And then the nuclear nightmare. Uh, so, when am I starting with? When they get to the bunker. So. Okay, let's get to the bunker. That bunker is cool. Yeah. It really is cool. I mean, it's like a candy shop for every armament ever and True. everything like that. Uh, which I do like the scene they did. Like, I feel like there was enough time between the extended, like, the cut of him learning to smile and the Terminator going down there, picking up a gun, looking at Connor, and then it just gives him a smirk. smirk. Like, yeah, I, I was like, okay. That- All I got was the smirk. See, I didn't get the whole smile scene. So yeah. No payoff there. No, it's a, it's a payoff to a yeah. setup you never saw. Yeah, which it was like, okay, that. That uh, it works in that scene. It worked, yeah. Um, obviously, the guy who is in charge of the bunker, uh, what's his name? Enrique. Enrique. He knows what. He knows what's up. Um, uh, he's kind of. Uh, he's also kind of surprised that the T eight hundred's hanging around. He doesn't get it, but he's kind of like, okay, well, 
Does he know he's a Terminator, though? I don't know, but it, he's questioning. I feel like he kind of has, he like, an idea of he, what... When he's introducing him, he calls him Uncle Bob. He's like, this, okay. This the, he's like, all right, whatever. Yeah. But he says in the in the movie that he's like, hey, John, I've seen you and your friend all over the news. Yeah. So I don't know if he knows he's a Terminator. He definitely knows that he's with John. And I was under the assumption he didn't know he's a Terminator. Okay, but not a Terminator, but uh, he's... Uh, I mean, Sarah Connor's keeping him at arm's distance. So he's picking that up. I, uh, that's how I got right. from it. Um, I'm under the assumption when I watched this scene that this dude's helping out Sarah because... Arms whatever deals stuff and yeah. she he's just like oh yeah terminator bullshit whatever you crazy fucking person and so like i would think that he just assumed uncle bob sure whatever some criminal john's running around with yeah, yeah. like okay uh, yeah that's just my that's what i took away from it okay but yeah no i mean this sequence is a real good build up to it like okay now they're getting geared up shit's about to get real it's a nice calm before the storm in a way yeah because it's setting up what this is, they're going. I mean, obviously Sarah's going to go in, uh, like just commando mode. Uh, going to leave. She's going to leave John Connor and the Terminator behind to go kill D- Dyson. Uh, I think it's good. I mean, it also like it kind of also like really nicely flows right into that nightmare sequence of Sarah Connor seeing herself and like these children get blown blown to bits uh, on Judgment Day. Right. Which that sequence. I, you and I watched that right before, like as soon as I got here, you had the movie on, and just rewatching that is so powerful. Yeah, it's so eerie. The, her being like her being muted out, and she's just watching this innocence happening, and then all of a sudden, just nuclear like nuclear mayhem happening, and then it goes all to hell really quick until she finally wakes up and it's like, I gotta go. I got. I can't let this happen. Yeah, I remember. I remember thinking as a kid how much that scene terrified me. Oh, yeah. And I realized that as I'm watching the movie, I was, okay, bear with me here, a little bit of a story. I have a fear of a robot apocalypse. That's like my number one thing. I'm like, nope. So I always joke with people whenever they're like, oh, my grandparents got uh, all like my, my, my mom and all our siblings got Alexas yeah. for Christmas two years ago. And I was like, you just supporting the movement, man. And I always said, like, what, have you never seen Terminator 2? <laughs> stories about like uh about echoes at my house too but they come back at you no no it's nice <laughs> no it's more of like my mom being paranoid she's like okay well we have like three echoes in our house and then she watched one news story and she has to unplug them all because putin's listening like specifically putin it's like really i don't think so i mean yeah it's creepy every now and then you're just sitting around and then all of a sudden well, putin's always listening he's always oh, yes. listening um but, but like it's creepy every now and then we're sitting around your house and then like zach and i are sitting downstairs talking and all of a sudden it's like alex just chimes in i don't know about that who the fuck asked you this is what i'm talking about <laughs> I, I mean, we're gonna cut away from the podcast for Tommy to go on a conspiracy rant right now. <laughs> and so, no, and, and that's why I love that joke in the Simpsons movie where it's like it's the NSA when they're like, it's all the banks and computers and people like just logging in all the the, the information coming in. It's like we got one. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it, it, you imagine like it's gonna be something like that. And also, well, you watch Enemy of the State, you're like, oh god, you we have more paranoid. We haven't got to the point of Courage to Cowardly Dogs computer where he's oh, like, god. like he's typing in, how do you defeat your a uh, mummy? You have a problem with your mummy? Oh, that's so sad. <laughs> it's like, no, a mummy! 
oh, why didn't you say that to start with, you twit? <laughs> you're just like, I was like, oh, thanks. Like, you're just real. Real polite. Exactly. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Um, yeah, the exp- <laughs> that end, the Judgment Day scene horrified me as a child, horrifies me today. Uh, but damn, is it good. Yeah. Damn, is that a great scene. Um, that's great. I love the the No Fate Part yeah. two. Don't know why. Just really like that part mm-hmm. um, where she's like, you don't see what she's carving, and then she stabs it in. And then like, you don't see no fate till John looks at it, or do you? Do we see it before? No, we do see it. Okay. Yeah, she we wakes up looking at it. Yeah. Yes. Because that's that the message that John gave to Reese to tell Sarah in the first movie. There's no fate what we make for ourselves. I can't be unless you um, do this. I'm sorry that it has to be so hard on you. This is all. Like that, that, that's what the it's what John said to Reese to give to Sarah to Sarah to give to John, which then gave to Reese. Oh my God, I've gone cross. Yes, I know it's a paradox. <laughs> I know. Yep. And the whole yeah, the, he talks about it being a paradox at one point. John Connor's like, yeah. So like, my daddy came back in time, and my mom was in love with him, and he's not going to be born for a couple years. Yeah. Like he says that, which is crazy. Yeah. And like and he, what... he says it's nuts. Yeah. To wrap your mind around that, the, the physics of it, yes. And, it, 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 a lot of loophole paradoxes open up. Like, why did John send Reese back to the first place? Well, how did he know? Did he die? Like, he kind of, like, makes the loop. I the always loop. thought, my thing is, I always thought John's father was different in the first timeline. And then when he sent Kyle back, it changed it, and that was his father. I always thought it was a different person that mm. Sarah met later on in life. And then... When Kyle came back, it was like, okay, now I have this mission, you, and like I know you're going to be a male, I will name you John, and that will be your father, and that's what perpetuates the paradox then. That makes sense. That's how I always thought, but like, no, I guess like the, the closed loop of that, I mean, somebody's broken down the the timelines, like, I, just, I got, I went to like movie timelines at one point, and it's the Back to the Future timelines, the uh, the Terminator ones, and then I, I found a Doctor Who one for all the Doctors. Oh, and, because I'm always trying to explain the Halloween, because somebody tried to do one for Halloween, like, I just posted a Doctor Who one, like, yeah, this is me trying to explain the Halloween timelines to people these it, days. It's, <laughs> from, it's that one pic- meme from uh, Always Sunny, the guy with the. Sylvie, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because, because a coworker asked me, like, like trying, like, because Phil asked me, like, so. What's going on with the new Halloween? And I try to explain what's going on. I kind of felt like I was Pepe Sylvia right there. Charlie trying to explain Pepe Sylvia to him as I was leaving. Me explaining fuck the DC universe before the new Fifty Two to one of my coworkers. Oh God! <laughs> you wonder why you do these hard reboots. But my feelings on the sequence, the desert sequence, like some people have problems with it. Think like it, like the movie's a little too long, and it's kind of like a lull. But I think it's needed to make the set pieces at the end stand out more. And I think it's a nice character moment, especially when Arnold asks, why do you cry? He's trying to withstand human emotion mm. there. And, of course, that pays off later on. Oh. We'll get there. And then, of course, we have Sarah's voiceover returns again of him. like that. He is theoretically, this machine is the best father figure that this kid could ask for. Because he'll never get angry with him or get a drunk or hit him like, or say it's too busy to spend time with them. Like and he's always... never going to leave them. No. Yeah. And like that's just really poignant. And then we really get... powerful, really powerful. I like that a lot. Yeah. And, and it's then... funny how he's also kind of like he's also developing as a leader because he's teaching it. Exactly. Yeah. And of course, I teach him like do high fives. I love when he goes to do low fire. He pulls away from the two. And I was like, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to play with you no more. <laughs> but then like... he imitates it. Obviously slower, but exactly. he, he imitates it. 
It's um, funny if you watch it when he first gives him a low five. Uh, John turns around and like winces which, because he like brings up the force of the metal hand on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I imagine like that they're trying to get a low five from Wolverine. Like that's what it would feel like. Yeah. The adamantium skeleton. <laughs> yeah, Beb. <laughs> um, gonna Beb you, Beb. <laughs> and so we get to the nuclear nightmare. My feelings on it is that after a say in November 2016 like after a certain event happened I had a nightmare one night where I experienced this precise moment I experienced a nuclear fire and I felt the flames burn me and I, and I woke up in a, in a sweat and I've been afraid of nuclear war like I think it's like it's thing like like from like 2000 like maybe like the 2008 like you didn't like, like even like you didn't feel like nuclear war was or like even like late 90s up until like mid-2000s, you didn't expect a nuclear bomb to go off. Like, you may expect a terrorist attack. It might be a dirty bomb. But there was not, like, a huge prevalent threat of, like, nuclear warfare of happening. Nowadays, it seems to come back. And then, like, it's just, like, all these old memories of me being afraid of nuclear warfare. I think it's been set... The seeds have been planted because of this movie. It, also, remember, um, the Cold War technically is not... It either just ended or it's just about to end. Yeah. So that nuclear threat's still there back in 1991. They yeah. Actually, talk about that. They yeah. do. They say um, uh, they like, attacked Russia first because they know the, their nuclear will, retaliation he, was. Skynet destroyed. attacked Russia, and why did why would Russia attack us? Because because they knew about the nuclear. Uh, what is what's it called? Response. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but like, but it it's actually is kind of eerie with the whole, uh, especially with what's going on nowadays with North Korea, yeah, and the U.S. North Korea. So it's like, oh, okay, they have nukes, but you know, and then Russia. We don't know what Russia's a wild card. With do they really support North Korea? Do they really don't want to do anything about this? Like, so it's kind of like, yeah, it's a little hairy. It's right now, right now, not. I wouldn't say the tension near is nearly cold, like nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties Cold it, War. It's not Cuban Missile Crisis, not yet. No, but it it's definitely has crept up. Like, is this what it was like for our grandparents and parents growing up? Like, kind of back in the sixties and stuff like that. That this is really this intense. Yeah, I mean, I like. I wonder if they still had the. Doomsday yeah. clock. I wonder where Ooh. the sailing. Oh, they, is. they definitely still have the Doomsday clock. I think the last time it was like we're one minute away. Is there back? Can I just say like like I mean like it's like if it's five minutes of midnight like okay like if it's one minute of midnight then it's that's very that's something to be very afraid of. Uh, the doomsday clock makes no sense to me because it's just a bunch of people guesstimating. Yeah, it, it's just a fixture. What was it? How Doctor Manhattan was summarized of it like uh, of uh, he how he perceived time like I, I wouldn't give too much credence to the fact of a doomsday clock. I just feel like if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. Because he believes everything's predetermined that there is no free will. Hmm. Um, and, and so then, and I, I remember like seeing like this with the nuclear fire. I mean, like I, there was, there was some nuclear experts that like credited like, and gave like huge props to Cameron for the fact that like this would be the closest thing to where a nuclear fallout would be. And so that's really scary. And, of course, all this stuff is done with, like, miniatures and air mortars and, oh, like, yeah, and props. The miniatures look gorgeous. Yeah. Now mean, you, could, just... you could tell, but at the same time, it's like it get, it drives the point home. Yeah. I mean, like, nowadays it would just be CGI buildings falling over, and I feel like it would just be, like, I feel like. CGI mess again. Yeah. yeah. So we're so used to just blue beams in the sky. Blue beams in the sky, Yeah. Blue beans in the sky oh, with violence. <laughs> <laughs> and 
so um, Sarah goes to try and kill Dyson with John in, uh, in the Terminator in pursuit, and they were able to. Sarah is able to stop herself before it actually happens. Uh, tell me your feelings on this turning point for Sarah. Uh, first things first, Silverman was right. Doesn't have it in her. Not a killer. Yeah. Doesn't have it in her. Because um, before John and uh, Uncle Bob can even show up, yep. she's already decided not to kill him. Mm-hmm. It's already come been very clear. Um, I like the... I, fa- I thought the... Um, uh, what do you call it? The RC car yeah. going around the house was very reminiscent of The Shining, of how Danny drives um, uh, a tricycle around the hotel. Uh, that was pretty... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I yeah. the hardwood floor and then the carpet. Yes. Sorry. <laughs> that's what that noise was. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's, that's just having a small stroke as we record. And just, oh, man, when he's, he's just working on his computer and then you just see that infrared beam slowly go up to his head and then it cuts back and she's got the... Whatever, I don't even I don't know. I don't know so guns. It, that's <laughs> uh, it's like a, it's an AR. It's like an like AR fifteen or M sixteen. It's M sixteen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she got she got an assault rifle basically. Yes. with the silencer and the scope, and she lets off a shot, misses, hits the computer because he moved out of the way because his son calls him, and she lets off another, and then she just sprays up the entire place. And uh, I just, very efficient, very efficient, <laughs> very efficient. Uh, then she just goes on in. Helps herself in there. Um, but uh, I thought, um, with good reason, I love Arnold taking his arm off. Right. I like when he's just like, he's, he's just like, show him. Gives him a switchblade. Don't know where he got a switchblade from. Yeah. But now he has that and just, Bleh. and then ripping the skin off. And he's like, yo, Danny, show me your room. You do not want to see this. Danny is the name of the kid in this. I just realized that right now. Danny, name of the kid in Terminator. Two, and The Shining. And The Shining. Hmm. Red Rum! Red Rum! Red Rum! But then the Dyson family is very much like, yeah, no, we're on your side now. We're totally with you. Yeah, we get that. Yeah. We understand where you're we coming from now. That. And he sat there and he listened. And he took it better, he took it better than I thought he would. I think I'm going to throw up. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, my God. Now, that's a great sequence. I mean, I, I, I mean, yeah, she's not, obviously, uh, Silverman was right. She's not a killer. But at that moment, she kind of realized that she became the cold-hearted, like, robotic. She became a Terminator. She became point, a Terminator. Yes. And that she couldn't pull the trigger because she just realized, I just became my worst fear. I became a Terminator hell-bent on killing this person before he knows what uh, like before he does something that he's not, hasn't done yet, right? So it's a great, powerful scene because it's kind of like a little inceptiony a little bit. Because it's the like, first wow. time. This is also the first time where Sarah says "I love you" to her son. Yeah, the yes. entire movie, which is crazy because she hasn't seen him for fucking years, and the first thing she says to him is, "Why did you come find me?" Yeah, yeah. Um, Mother of the Year award for sure. Mother of the Year, but that's 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 the uh, epic turning point in her character arc of. Killing machine herself into killing with kindness. But I like to with lava. (laughs) (laughs) But after the intense intensity of the scene, like where he's like she goes in there, she's about to kill everyone, and then she stops herself, and then uh, then Connor and the Terminator show up, and you know make sure she's not doing anything. then it's like, okay, show him. And then he, Arnold rips off his arm and shows the mechanical the mechanical arm. And Dyson goes from horrified to ch- 
realize, realizing realize what, what I'm looking at, and he it clicks in his head like this is this is what that where that comes from, and he's like oh, so intrigued now, like and then that's why he was so able to listen. Um, I mean, he did yeah, he did take it very well. I mean, he didn't question anything. Yeah. Just the fact is, like, I didn't know this is what that's going to happen. Right. And, like, and w- which Sarah does chastise him a little bit of the fact yeah. that, like, like what do you think was going to happen? Like, like men like you build the atomic bomb. You think you're so creative, but you, like, and she brings a very maternal standpoint that you don't know what it's like to actually create something inside you and everything and starts to berate him. And John has to kind of step in, like, all right, we're not being constructive right here, like, okay? Like, chill yeah. the fuck out. Yeah. And then she even, like, pulls back to the, takes out a, just a, uh, another drag on a cigarette. She's like, all right, fine. Fine. I'm sorry. I was going too far there. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously the best, he had the best intentions of using this technology. Oh, isn't the, the path to hell paved with good intentions? Yes. The best intentions? Best intentions. <laughs> Oh, I'm trying to think of best intentions. Oh, what the hell is it? Oh, fuck. The follow-up. Oh, I forgot, too. Um... Anyway, we'll come back to us. Yeah. And so my feelings of it, this, to me, I think, along with the ending, I think it's like one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie is because the reason why, as a writer, I keep coming back to this movie is because there's so many character arcs. Like, John has an arc. The Terminator has an arc. Sarah has an arc. Dyson has an arc. And it's this precise moment where, like, Sarah's about to murder a father in front of her her his wife and his son and destroy this family irrevocably because mm-hmm. and like no way like being able to take this back and and she almost becomes the terminator she almost becomes the thing she hates and she realizes that she breaks down and she realizes she's done so much wrong here and then when john comes to stop her she says like you came to stop me and she like you said she finally says i love you and he's like the reason why i resonate with this scene so much is that when my mom was with us, like she had made so many mistakes and made so many like problems, and that John stood up by her side no matter what, even hands like was able trying to help her. That's how I was with my mom. Like how many mistakes she's having because a lot of my family turned their back on her, but I was the last person to do that, and I was trying my damnedest not to do that. And there's a reason why this scene has a lot of emotional weight for me. And of course, when like Terminator rips off his skin and revealing the arm, and you're like. That's an appropriate reaction. Both uh, Dyson yeah. and his oh, wife. Yeah. Just even watching someone carve their own arm off yeah. to begin with. Oh, yeah, like, oh, and then oh. he rips the skin off like a fucking glove. Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's just the cutting of his forearm is doing it. Like, There's a lot of meat on that forearm, yeah. too. It's like, and then, shit, dude. No, because like, even like, the thing is, um, in the movie The Thing, yeah, we have like, chest opens up with the defibrillator and it's like, marching down and people and like, stalks coming out of this weird alien and dogs being torn apart, but somebody cutting their own thumb for a blood test is the most unnerving for me because it's just so simple. It's just like it's a blade being cr- dragged across skin. Like, uh, uh. Because you know that feeling. You know that feeling. You yeah. know how, how much it hurts getting cut. I mean, yeah, it's, of course, Dyson and I forget the actress's name, like uh, uh, Van Buren from Law and Order is just like, oh my God, we're seeing this happen. And he's like, listen to me very carefully. As he's like, glaring. Teresa Dyson, by the way. Yes, and I'm trying to remember the actress's name. Uh, S. Evatha Merkerson. Yes, and of course they convince. Um, oh, I'm going to quit. Like that's not good enough. We have to destroy all your work because nobody has to follow it up. So, like, well, when do you want to go? And they just stand up, and so they go off to Cyberdyne to do that. And I realize Cyberdyne is kind of broken out of three acts, like in like three mini sequences, like the infiltration. The, the 
preparation? Like the, like the infiltration of the building itself, the digging in while they dis- they prep to destroy everything and then they escape. Mm-hmm. So we have a lot of things to talk about this scene. I'll start with you, Dakota, or this sequence, just to say. Well, I figured out. I just Googled what the yeah. remaining lines were. What is it? So it's like, best intentions? What's the matter? Oh, you were finished. Oh, well, allow me to retort. What, what does, does Marcel's Wallace look like? What? What? What, what? what? what country are you from? What? What? Ain't no country I ever heard of. Do you speak English or what? What? English, motherfucker. Do you speak it? Yes. yes. <laughs> Describe what Marcel's Wallace looks like. What? Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. I double dare you, motherfucker. Say what one more goddamn time. He's black. Go on. He's bald. Does he look like a bitch? What? His voice does get high when he's like, this is a genuine question there. He's like, what? He was not expecting that question. But uh, your feelings in the Cyberdyne sequence. Oh, it's great. I mean, it's a little weak. Like, okay, did, did he really think he was going to get these three, two... Scary looking adults and a rundown child into Cyberdyne in the middle of the night. And I mean, the security guard's like, In the middle of the night. I mean, even I'm the security guard was sitting there like, Really? I did not get like, paid You know the rules, dude. Come on. I do not get paid enough to deal with you chicanery right now, okay? <laughs> yeah. And then they whip guns out. It's like, No, I insist. He's <laughs> got like duct tape and he's just like, Oh, God. And I love when like the other security guard comes and he's like bitching a moment. It's like, I told you not to leave the desk. Like, come on. Oh, and he goes you- right in the bathroom and he's tied up. He's like, Oh, shit. <laughs> Apparently, that was like, um, Edward Furlong's like acting coach. Oh, really? Yeah, and they just like, they put him in the movie. <laughs> and I love he does a time at first. He goes, he he, he trips the alarm. I think he did the right thing of setting the alarm off first, then going back to untie him. Yeah. Um, but like, if you were him, that like, don't come back for me, please. Don't leave me like this. Uh, you know he's coming back. I would hope he's coming back. Uh, but anyway, uh, so them getting up to the top, and then like obviously like oh the doors like like this is like. They, since the sign of the arm went off and the codes get locked down, so Arnold brings out, I think, uh, what the M79 grenade launcher. Yeah, the grenade launcher is like stunned back. It blows a hole into the security uh, the security wall. And what gases start leaking? Like, uh, I forget what kind of noxious gas it was, and then he needed the gas mask to go in. But of course, the, cy- the cyborg doesn't need yeah, anything. Oxygen, so he goes, so- grabs the oxygen masks, and then bring them out, and just like, you put these on. Yeah. And then they start... Halon, something to start with an H. I forget what the hell it is. Yeah, but they start to end up destroying the destroying the build, uh, destroying everything Cyberdyne did that could connect, like, to bring about the future. Right. And then uh, uh, Dyson, obviously, like, taking the axe from Arnold to destroy his baby. Yeah. That's an extended cut. That like that little moment of like him taking the act. There's a moment uh, where okay, I was gonna say what you guys are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, I mean, it's funny because he's a robot chopping like ch- chopping into these massive computers with a fire axe, and all I was going is I'm a little bit Jackie Dime okay, I work all night and I play, play all, all day. day. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like it's funny. Because, I mean, it's Arnold plays such the perfect robot. Completely emotionless and just so very meticulous about it, which is kind of like actually, I would say, pretty difficult for someone to do. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, it gives him credit. But uh, this whole scene. Him and Ryan Gosling. They they play great robots. Oh, my God, Ryan Gosling. (laughs) Pop, boom. 
sorry. <laughs> explain that later. But uh, <laughs> but then, like, obviously, then, like, the police show up, and the first thing that pops to mind is the Nagatomi building, but we yes. decided those are miles apart. Yes. Uh, if, I can, if I can, I'm going to touch on, I'm going to make a reference right now that I'll come back around later. Nagatomi, Nagatomi, Nagatomi. Nagatomi, Nagatomi. <laughs> <laughs> um... But the whole sequence is great. And then, obviously, the, like, we haven't seen it in a while, but the T-1000 shows up. And yes. you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, but them exiting the building with Arnold just, like, just, like, completely, like. Mangled. Mangled. But just, like, just shooting down the SWAT guys coming in and just looking a total badass. It, it was amazing. And then, the, then, like, they butt heads again with the T-1000. Um and like, okay, now the T one thousand here. We don't have to worry about anyone else because they're all dead. But this thing, we gotta get the fuck away from. Right. So they they don't hop into they don't steal the floor uh the the landscaper's truck yet. They got a flower. No, that's after they no. crash the SWAT truck. Oh yeah, so they get in the SWAT truck and uh yeah, they put on body armor when they're in there and they yeah. peel out of there and then the T one thousand hijacks the helicopter and right. the, that was the cheesiest C- uh, that was the weakest part of the CGI in my opinion in this movie. When it goes to the liquids. It was the liquids and it turns to the pilot like, get out. It's like okay Yeah and then he just so leaves that out was the most Capri Sun scene. <laughs> <laughs> or the secret life of Alex Mack. Yes. The, but that scene always um Oh, what's Secret the name? Of Alex Mack, T2, Judgment Day. What's the I forgot about <laughs> They're both children in entertainment. Obviously. I forgot Secret Life of Alex Mack. But, uh, After you said Capri Sun, I'm like, is that the. Se- I-, I literally Google, like, is that Secret Life of Alex Mack? Yes, it is. But he turns up in the liquid. <laughs> but, like, him, like, doing the whole get out thing, that kind of reminds it's me of. Like, back to the first Terminator when he takes the, the gas truck. After being run over. Yeah, but no, but the, the for some reason that sequence always reminds me of the uh, the um, uh, poster art for uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Oh yeah, with like yeah. the, the <laughs> head of Giant Death and everything. Yeah, so that that's the only thing that like comes to mind. But that whole sequence it was not of, bad country where they were. That's what, we'll say that for sure. No, uh, but uh, I have to call attention to when Dyson finally like dies and he's sitting there with the weight over the the push button and it's just. <laughs> For like five minutes of hyperventilating, right. there was an animated short of like how what could have happened. I showed you this. <laughs> yeah, you showed me this where like they didn't like. Uh, it just kept going. He, but Sarah, John, and uh, the Terminator don't make it out of the building in time no. because the elevator is just going to so slow. And, and to see what thousand like, catches up to him. Yeah. Because <laughs> at one point it's like it's like because <laughs> the elevator, the three of them are staying there, Stand- running there. Cut back to Dyson. <laughs> and it comes back to the elevator again. And it's the two thousand. Or he's filleted the three of them up. And it's the two thousand with his arms like here, with his blades. So he's like, and like wagging his tongue over the counter. <laughs> and like that's his victory lap, pretty much, and killing the three of them. <laughs> and both Dyson and them are both doing like. That's how it ends. <laughs> and periodically, my boy Larry and I will send it to each other with a scream, like, just drop the fucking bomb already. <laughs> oh, God. But overall, but <laughs> Maxine, serious. Overall, this is a great action sequence uh, when the fi- when finally the SWAT team does come in and start, like, guns a-blazing. Mm-hmm. And then the, their escape from, from the Cyberdyne building. It's a really well-done action sequence, in my opinion. Yeah, I think it's very well done. It also has one of my favorite parts favorite lines of the movie 
um, where uh, John goes, the cops are here. And Sarah goes, how many? And he goes, all of them, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also, I love when Arnold's getting braided with bullets and he comes out and he starts popping kneecaps again. And then he and then he starts shooting at the uh, all the cop cars with the grenade launcher. Over the tear First, gas he kicks the desk out the window, which I think was dope. Yeah, that was just cool. Um, then he just starts shooting at everything to get all the cops to go away. Uh, and then he scans everything. It's just like human fatality is zero, and then he walks back inside. Which right, I thought was cool. Um, and then yeah, then you got the beginning of the helicopter scene. Yeah, and the yeah the Capri Sun we already addressed. <laughs> <laughs> um. I feel like Capri Sun could have used this, like, for, like, marketing. Well, they already stole the idea. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so, my feelings on this sequence, yeah, I think it's, like, one of the best set pieces in the entire movie. Of course, like, John says, like, the Terminator says, I'll take care of the police. Like, wait, you swore. Trust me. And he goes up, of course he's a Terminator. Like, he just... He riddles all the cars with bullets. Oh my god! With the with the giant mini with the yeah. minigun. Oh my god! Which is meant to be on a helicopter. It's not a fucking minigun. And the helicopter like, <laughs> flies away. Like, no, I'm not. Like, he's like, no, I'm not getting anywhere close to that. And, and I love the fact that like uh, the um, armorer like was very uncomfortable when uh, on set when Arnold just drops the minigun on the gra- on the floor of the office. It's just like flops. He's like, um, no. Like, like, please be sensitive with that. Uh, because, like, that's not supposed to be meant for a handheld. It's meant for it to be on a helicopter. And everything. Like, but, of course, Arnold is able to, is able to wield it. And, and I do, yeah, it incapacitates all the cars and all the people, and all the cops are safe at this point. And I always feel bad where the SWAT team kicks in the door and Dyson gets riddled with bullets trying to protect yeah. them. Mm-hmm. And he realizes, like, he's got the detonator in his hands. like, I'm going to do this. And he makes that eye contact with Sarah. He's like, he's going to stay behind and do this, allowing Sarah to escape. The lead SWAT guy is they like, they flank on to Dyson and they get up close to him. And he's like, he's like, I don't know how much more I can hold this. And he's holding a piece of like the, the, the chip itself. That's the paperweight he's using to trigger the uh, detonator. The SWAT team, it's um, the brother-in-law from Breaking Bad. The, oh, no way. It's the, it's the, uh, it's Hank. It's Hank. Get out of here. Well, the, the, the detective guy? Yeah. Oh, okay. Cool. Be, you could tell from the eyes, and me, the reason being, I noticed that because he's also because this movie is made by Colarco or Carol Co, however you want to pronounce it. They also did Total Recall, and he's one of the uh, the uh, mutants in on Mars. Like, you got a lot of nerve showing your face around here, Hauser. Look who's talking. Like the dude with like the messed up face. Um, and so I guess he was just a Carol Co like regular at that point, and. Which, I know, quick sidebar, since I brought up Total Recall and we're talking about this movie, when you mentioned it earlier, when we saw it in theaters, we saw it, it was Total Recall on 35mm, and um, this was a digital presentation of, uh, it was a, a double feature for Arnold movies, and it was Memorial Day weekend, because I remember that I was with my girlfriend at the time and I, we were at a Memorial Day party, and then we drove off to the theater. Now... I was busting chats by doing an Arnold impression the entire ride there. I, I was waiting for you to tell the story. And she's like, oh my god, this is obnoxious. Please stop. Like, no, I, I can't do it. <laughs> and so, like, 25 minutes. Solid. Me not <laughs> shutting up, just doing the Arnold voice. This is why you're single. <laughs> I'll get to it in a moment. And so we get to the theater. I go up to the counter and, to the, uh, and ask for tickets. And I'm like, uh, like, oh, what do you want to see? I'm like, uh, two tickets for Terminator 2 and Total Recall. <laughs> I did not mean to say it like that. And, and, and the guy kind of looks up. I'm like, two, please. He's like, 
Here you go, like, thank you. He's like, you did that on purpose. Like, no, I didn't. Like, well, like, see, that's what you fucking get for like, busting my balls in the entire ride here. What a fucking weirdo. Yeah. God. I mean, like, we made it even weirder when it was funnier like, because it's my girlfriend at the time, myself, Dakota, and his brother, Zach. And Zach, Dakota, and I leaned forward and during the opening title sequence when it's the famous T2 theme. And we bang on the seats rattling the seats in front of us. And my girlfriend just kind of leans back in the chair just like, just embarrassed to be out in public with us. Yeah. There wasn't that many people in that theater. No, 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 no. It was not as, no, like, I mean, it's not like we were singing along with something or anything like that. Um, I'm sure if there were words to that theme, you would be, though. Yeah, I probably, yeah. <laughs> we're going to talk about the theme later, are we? Yeah, of course. Okay. I mean, we're going to wrap up and everything. Okay, cool. Um, and so, and of course, we have um, Arnold, like, they get to the lobby and the SWAT team's there. And so Arnold takes the barrage of bullets from the SWAT team and he just kneecaps all of them, which was... It was a problem, like, trying to release this in Ireland because the IRA was known for doing that as kneecapping. Ooh. And so they were kind of, as well as, like, using lockpits uh, by Sarah earlier on in in England because mm-hmm. they want to give kids the wrong idea. They use a paperclip to unlock locks and everything. So I don't know how the hell they got around that. I don't think they just cut this part out or they, like, they... It would be hard to cut it out. Yeah, or they just kind of, like... It's easier to cut out the... Sec- it, it's harder to say what... The security guard scene when they break into the psych- psychiatric hospital. Yeah. That's easier to cut out, though. Excuse me. Though that's still uh, important to the story because of the, the back and forth between uh, the Terminator and uh, John Connor. So it that would be the easiest one to cut out. But this sequence, it's really hard because how the fuck do they get out of the building? Yeah. If you cut that out. Unless they had a different cut of it for Ireland. I don't know. It's something, I, I, it's something that they brought up in the uh, commentary that I have to... I hadn't got to that scene, so I have to figure that out. And so, okay. Um, and so, of course, they. I love the fact where like he grabs a grenade launcher. There's one, the two Swatus who take the grenade launch, the grenade, the tear gas shells, to their body. Yeah. Ow. Oh. Broken one, ribs. The one guy when you, he shoots, he just goes ah, <laughs> like okay. oh god. And then, and then the dude <laughs> shoots him once, runs away, takes it in the back. He's like, my god, it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> like you just need to sponge up like my leg, like my leg. Oh my god, he's decapping all of them. My leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg, my leg. That's all about people. Um, and so of course he shoots tear gases into the parking lot, and like I love, he's like, here, hold this. He gives the grenade launcher to one, and just takes yep. the mask off of him. <laughs> Steals a SWAT truck, and of course the T- the T one thousand is riding his little motorcycle through the building. Mm-hmm. Sees their escaping. Hey. That's a nice bike. bike. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, that, that cop's dead. Um, and, and that's one of the greatest stunts for this movie is the motorcycle jumping from the building to the helicopter. And, of course, like, I know we, I kind of skipped around the, the, the explosion going back to when Dyson dies and he drops the paperweight on the detonator and the whole building like, blows out. This behind-the-scenes footage, like, somebody's taking video. Like, one of the crew members like turns to Jim like, oh, we're supposed to be rolling on that one? Oh, I totally forgot about that. I, you didn't give us the cue, Jim. I'm sorry. We didn't roll on that one. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God. I would have been like, like, it would be like dumb and dumber. Like, Lloyd, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> <laughs> and so, Colin, then we have these two-part chase, one with the helicopter, one with the uh, the uh, the Nick liquid nitrogen 18-wheeler. Tommy, your feelings on this chase? Okay, when I, when I was watching it and it said the liquid nitrogen, I thought it said nitrous. 
<laughs> and I've been watching uh, Westworld. Oh god, where Nitrous plays a big role in like a lot of like torture scenes, and I was like, oh my god. When are they gonna blow the truck up? When are they gonna blow the truck up? When are they gonna blow the truck up? And like, I, I totally forgot how like it all manifests. So I'm just, I was waiting for that, and it never happened. And I was like, oh yeah, okay, I read it wrong. <laughs> uh, but um, um, the chase seems good. Uh, although where it leads us to was much more exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, like I thought it was a little. I like the part where they're like they're shooting back. John's covered in the bulletproof vest, and then the SWAT car gets flipped, um, and then they just get into another car. And it, it, do you think it's redundant? I thought it was a little redundant to have them switch vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like if they would have just kept going with the SWAT car, and like I'm sorry, uh, with the SWAT car, and then they took down the helicopter, and then the T1000 just gets like the the Mack truck and yeah. goes after them. It makes sense, but I think it's a little redundant how like the car flips and they get out and they get a new car and then yeah. I mean, they, they get into the little like Suzuki or Honda yeah. like pickup Pick truck, truck and yeah. like and the car well, we got maximum speed at sixty five miles an hour. Yeah, it's like putting along as his eighteen wheels barreling down on them. That yeah. made me think when he goes, we're at the vehicle's maximum speed and they're at sixty five before earlier in the movie, Sarah says, don't go over 65. So is that the max speed of the vehicle, or is that as fast as he's allowed to go? Oh. <laughs> you would think at that point, like, can I go faster? Okay, good. Because <laughs> it's showing he's at 65, and I was thinking, I'm like... Yeah, but the, also, the speedometer on that truck, it doesn't go much further than 65, right. so it's, it is probably... Ma- that's not the max speed, then. No, it's not. But, it it's a, but it's a shitty fucking pickup truck with a full load. It's... You're a shitty fucking pickup truck <laughs> with a full load. You walk into that one. <laughs> so we're going to dump that joke. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you guys. I'm going home. <laughs> See you guys. I'm going home. You were saying... <laughs> I think it'd be my point. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing's gonna say he's gonna be able to top that, so you might as well go. I don't know what else to say other than like. <sighs> no, uh, okay, okay. I do agree that it is a little redundant that they went from a tr- like if it went from the SWAT truck to the uh, to the crappy old pickup truck. But at the same time, the the switch would make it if they just continue the chase in the SWAT truck. It's at it's too protected. That's true. It's too protected. They needed something more vulnerable to be more vulnerable. In. It raises the stakes. It, yeah, it does. Um, because okay, armored truck versus crappy imported truck. Yeah, yeah. crappy imported pickup truck, a civilian pickup truck uh, versus giant eighteen wheeler right. with a bunch. I of... was always I was curious as to as to why they did that. I was I was like, it just seems like more filming for the sake you, of you more also, filming. Don't you get like a little like. You get a little chuckle when they they jack the car from the uh, from the owner. You guys hurt? This cuts the close up of of Arnold like his face like half yeah. gone because of the bullet holes. Yeah, and he goes over the uh, divider. Yeah, like, wow! <laughs> <laughs> the ATL like, comes barreling down on him. Yeah, so it, you get a little chuckle out of it. So I guess it's like a little bit like a little yeah, throw throw a little comic, comic relief, relief yeah. in the sequence. But then you obviously yes, you get the more vulnerable choice mm-hmm. of vehicles going. Um, and yeah, they're booking booking it as much as possible. Either as much as he's allowed, as either <laughs> as either as much as he allowed, or as much as the truck can can go. Right. Um. But yeah, I mean the 
the liquid nitrogen, the truck with the liquid nitrogen being driven by the T-1000. Poor choice by him because it's just going to bite him in the ass. Yeah. But he, I don't know if he knows that. I don't think he knows that. So. Do they have liquid nitrogen in the future? Maybe they're all out of it. Maybe we ran out of natural resources. I don't know. I feel like if the machines take over. But I also think it's why he's so confused when he's glitching later. Yeah. Because that's not, this isn't supposed to happen. Yeah. But then again, if a computer starts glitching out, do you think they would really be like, I'm glitching, or it's like, odd? Ask computer, see if it responds. (laughs) Yeah, ask Hal 9000 when he starts to glitch and starts killing people. But was he? Was he does make a mistake, or no, no, he he faked the mistake so he can he can lead them out there and kill them. That's what he did. Yeah. No. Uh, well, how or yeah? Well, actually, he, here's... he faked the the, the satellite dish uh, failing. Oh, be... yeah. He lied. He, he lied. lied. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, because but... it was it was perfect. It shouldn't have failed, but yet they went to go out to replace it. It's when they. Like we have to shut down Hal. That's when Hal kills one of them. Total side note. I think at the end of last year, I was watching this one video. It was kind of creepy. Cool, but creepy. Um, so this one computer program uh, programmers in California uh, wanted to see if a computer could be could actually become self-aware or something like that. Kind of give like the idea. Um, so they have three computers, think, like AIs, um, and the Two of the three, they program with a silent – like, these three can speak. So two of the three can are programmed with a silencing code. Mm-hmm. But the third one's given, like, a placebo. So they, in turn, go, computer one, speak. Computer uh, – because, like, computer – like, because – and they have, uh, before this, they're told, you have to, real, uh, like, point out which one uh, – point out which one of you is able to speak still. So okay. the three computers don't know which one can speak. Uh, so the computer one, speak. Nothing happens. Computer two, speak. Nothing happens. Computer three, speak. Hello. Oh. I guess I don't... I can speak. That's... Terrifying. That's it's, the it, it was the like... It was, I actually just said that and my feet just got really cold. Like, oh, that's just creepy. No, I, no, because, what, is what, it that female electric voice, too? And it was like... Well, it it said, oh. Like, it just surprised itself. Yeah, yeah. Which is like, realization. what the fuck? No, like, when they brought the robot uh, on the Jeopardy, like, that's when I knew, like, oh, no. <laughs> We're gone. None of this. None no. of this. <laughs> there's a YouTube, every now and then in my YouTube feed, there's a thing where, like, creepy moments of AI. No! And it's like, I'm never clicking that. <laughs> no, because that's terrifying. They don't give you nightmares. Like, like, just repeating that story, I'm, like, getting, like, chills because that's, that is kind of creepy. Like, it, it, it knows it can talk. Yeah. It knows itself can talk, which is even creepier. <sighs> and so my feelings on it is, like, yeah, I understand, like, you could argue the fact that it's a little redundant than changing vehicles, but... I mean, just the great stunt work of using that real helicopter, especially when it goes underneath the yes, overpass. That's cool. And then I love how one, like, it, it tries to do it again, but it bails out last second and just barely gets over the second overpass. And I get the fact that, like, yeah, we need to change vehicles to raise the stakes a little bit, put them in a smaller car. And now Sarah is wounded from a gunshot from the T-1000. At one point, T-1000 is shooting out the windshield of the helicopter. He's using two hands to to drive it, and he's using two other hands. He's grown to reload his submachine gun at one point. It goes by really quick. And I remember when I was watching it uh, with my friend Chris, when I was showing him for the first time, when the, T-1000, the T-800 goes from this truck to 
climbs from his truck to the um, the liquid metal truck, and like and he starts blasting through the windshield, and then eventually. He, grabs the steering wheel and causing it to crash. He's like, oh my god. Like, it got so excessive for him at that point. Because I think the, the turn is real, and I think the flip is a model, like a okay. miniature, and then it comes crashing into the steel mill, spilling liquid metal all over the place. Liquid nitrogen. Liquid, liquid, liquid nitrogen, my bad. My apologies. You're, you're, you're okay. It's okay. <laughs> uh, oh, I made a mistake. That's not right. Now just imagine the... Shit, the, kill Tim. <laughs> I imagine, like, the voice from fucking Portal, man. Like, that's the voice I'm imagining. It, what it, it almost was, like, the oh. voice from Portal. I'm not finding that video. I Please, refused. God, no. Yeah. And so... I do, after the podcast, I do have the, all, the animated... I said that to Larry. He, okay. he started cracking up. <laughs> I always was going to send it to our Instagram chat there, but... The T-1000 is doused in the uh, liquid nitrogen. He's trying to make his way there, but he's freezing, and he starts mm. breaking apart. And we have the famous line, like, Hasta la vista, baby. And it shatters into a million pieces. Which is a cool shatter effect. Yeah. yeah it was, that was pretty dope. Was that practical, or was I that? I think so, yeah. Okay. They just probably Primer Core or M80s in, in a model and just blew that fucker up. And... It's not a James Cameron movie unless we have false endings. Mm-hmm. What I mean by that is like like the first Terminator, they blow up the gasoline truck. Oh, the T-800 comes out with no skin. He chases after him. They stick a one in, um, in his ribs and he blows him in half. He still comes crawling after them. Or an alien's like, oh, we blew up the individual queen's nest. The queen got out. Mm-hmm. We blew up the entire facility. The, the LV-426 is now like has a nuclear mushroom cloud. The, the queen's on the ship itself. Get away from her, her you bitch! And so, yeah, like in T one thousand, because the because of the the heat coming, the heat of the moment, oh. bringing him back to himself. I was I was thinking <laughs> the heat is on, and it's so hot in here. Yeah. Let's so take off all your clothes. <laughs> and so that's when the T the T one thousand fight naked afterwards, and like. So many people around the world are like, oh, that was a weird turn for the ending. Uh, are they sword fighting? <laughs> it's like, oh, <laughs> Clang, 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 clang. After <laughs> you hear they come running into each other, oh. They just cut back to the woman in the bar. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so the T-1000 reforms. They're all out of ammunition and they're running away. And this is when the T-1000 is going to glitch out. It- I thought this was the coolest thing. Him glitching out and how like how like he's bonding to things he's not bonding, he's not shape shifting or changing the colors that he wants. It's so cool that uh, like the how they did this in such a practical way. Yeah. It's uh, like wow, this is, it was just cool to watch. And in the extended cut like there's more of it like you buy mess with like he grabs yeah, a railing I was gonna one say, point. There wasn't there isn't a there isn't as much in the Yeah, cuz oh. like you he, like after yeah. when he Locks like the T eight hundred in like the like the press, yeah. And you see like like kind of like the little like ripple effect going. Like that's like the only time you really see. Yeah, the that's the only effect. thing you see. But in, in the syndicate, like he grabs a railing, his hand turns into the railing, his feet are turning into grates as he walks. Oh, uh, okay. that's that's cool. Yeah, and like and like at one point, like he he lets go of the railing, he's like he shakes his mm. hand back into normalcy because he's like, oh, this is not does not compute. Yeah, like this. Yeah, well, like. Like that was weird. That's yeah, not a hand. <laughs> You're not Ron, <laughs> Brick would say. You're not Ron. Um, so your feelings on the final fights and Sarah trying to desperately trying to kill the T the T one thousand and finally 
blowing her the fucker up and dropping it into the liquid metal. I just want to say, what a... Like, one more shot would have thrown that guy over the ledge. She didn't toss the shotgun at him. Out of of ammo. And then what does she do? She just tries again. (laughs) She's desperate at that point. She tries a second time, yeah. Um, What else can you do at that point? I think toss a shotgun at him. Like, yeah! Hopefully the force of that would knock you over. I would be afraid that it it would come back wielding the shotgun like a club. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. No, this sequence was amazing as well. I mean, it, conveniently, they end up in a smelting factory. So um, that's where the shoestings begin. The shoestings begin. <laughs> well, unfortunately, I lost my genitalia in an unfortunate <laughs> smelting <Melting> accident. <laughs> no, it was Hence the name. Gold member. I love gold. The smell of it, the taste of it, the texture. My Vinkies are key. Ah, <laughs> oh, you bloody Dutchman! <laughs> what? Take the fashion away, Dutch hater. Okay, enough. Um, I could quote all three Austin Powers movies indefinitely. Um, so, yeah, they're in the smelting factory, the ironworks factory. Um, it's so cool because of, like, the color schemes and everything like that, the very red oranges everywhere. Um, and, yeah, it's a fitting place for liquid metal to meet its end. Um, it's clever because, like, it's so, there's so many, it's much, it's very similar to the ending of the first Terminator where they're at the Cyberdyne. Uh, now we know Cyberdyne, but like a more it, that was a more mechanical factory where there's twists and turns. There's uh, heavy lifting and crushing uh, like stuff going on. And here you just have these nooks and crannies and narrow passageways where you can get lost. And that's what uh, the T-1000 does eventually play on, where it finally imitates um, uh, Sarah Connor at the end to try to get John Connor as close to him as possible so he can kill him. But he like obviously Sarah Connor comes with a shotgun from the from behind and tells like John get out of the way and he looks down the last second to see her feet or the grates Great, yeah. so he dives and she just starts shooting unloading the shotgun like that, not the theatrical cut no yeah but are you that serious shot, yeah that shot's not the theatrical cut yeah what he, he doesn't look down no oh come on no, he literally says get out of the way John's like shoot and he just dives out of the way yeah oh that sucks yeah I feel like. Oh man, I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't see the Sorry, like this is much. That's this. I love this scene. This is this is a horror scene. Yeah, this is no longer an action movie. This is a horror movie. Yeah, yeah, I like it a lot. Um, it, it's so the, the sequence and then of the, events the, is so the cool. Death of the T eight hundred. Oh yeah, first. where he's like freaking out in the in the molten metal. Yeah, and oh my god, such cool work of CGI at the time. Yeah, it still it still holds up pretty well. Yes. Um. Yeah. I... I don't know what else to say about this to the final killing scene of this because it was so well done from the obviously the fake death of the T-1000 to it finally being killed. But like I mentioned before, I love seeing the thing malfunction. It's so creative and it's – well, in the extended credit at least, it's so creative. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's awesome. Yeah, and um, I also the – fake, the fake out of Arnold dying. Yeah. yeah. Where the, he uh, can't reach the, the – yeah, it gets, yeah. It gets the stick, whatever you want to call it, the, pole. the pipe or whatever the hell it is. Yeah, his eye yeah. turns off. Uh, good, another great fight sequence between the two of them. They, I love how both of them as actors are very good at being robotic and being like unsure of how to handle the situation because they they're both doing a good job. Like you said before, like uh, or did you say it? Like you're like we're terminators, we're supposed to be fighting each other. Yeah, like uh, like, they, like they're not. They don't know to... how to do it. They're yeah, like, and the way they're fighting is very awkward. Yeah. Um. 
And uh, I just really like that scene. I really like uh, the, the the fake out with uh, where he's imitating Sarah. Um, so much that just, I love the, the grenade, the the practical effect of him like as a giant like explosion. And his yes. head is like and he's like, <laughs> and then the, when he's glitching out like crazy and he becomes the, the security guard he becomes a stepmom and then eventually he just like melts down to nothing and then it, even his mouth it like stretches out stretches out and goes inside itself and some shit it's so crazy but um and then <laughs> I think it's the dumbest question in the entire movie think this will melt this too uh yeah dude it just me- it just melted liquid metal you're good yeah <laughs> um I'm like, my feelings are just like, I love the fact that, like, yeah, because, and how the T-1000 kind of manhandles the T-800, like, he goes to punch him, and he morphs around him. Yeah, mm-hmm. really cool fight sequence. And, and then when he crushes his arm in the press, and he has to break off, the Arnold has to break off his own arm in order to get out, which people have said, like, how can Judgment Day still happen? How can you franchise still go on? Because we do not see him collect that arm that's no. in the press. No, So people... Don't. Grasping at straws, saying like maybe that's how they reverse engineered from that, much like how Cyberdyne did with the chip earlier on from the first movie into here. If you want to, um, and I love when um, when Sarah gets stabbed in the shoulder by the two of them. Yes. he's just twisting. He's like, Call. "Oh yeah, they oh, call you... John now. I know this hurts." And he he threatens her by he's gonna poke her in the eye with it. They call John now, and she says, "Fuck you!" And he's about to stab her, and then. T-1000 comes out with the pipe and splitting him in half. Still does not work because he manhandles, like, using the big press thing and crushing his head and his back, and you hear the metal bones inside the T-100 yeah, crack, and then eventually he's crawling away. And the and this one, T-1000 is trying to play with his feud here. He's just watching him, just like, oh, you think you're going anywhere? Nope. Impales him, twists back and forth, and then finally does the, like, mm-hmm. the, the death move. Luckily, the T-800, like, re- rerouted power and bringing him back to life, which I guess the I guess there's just a fail-state system in the Terminators, eventually leading into saving them by shooting the last grenade launcher shell into the T-1000, blowing him up. Hmm. And like you said, like, that's horrific, seeing it, like, freak out in the liquid... In the- it, it's almost very reminiscent of, uh, in the Batman the Animated Series, Defeat of Clay, Part 2. Oh, when he's, where, he's where, morphing into all the versions Yeah, Matt Hagen's, like, seeing all the images of himself, and he's morphing into all the, everything oh. that he was and then what he transformed himself into previously. And, yeah. Uh, that seemed very reminiscent of it. Right. And I love how you brought up the fact that the security guard, because we kind of glossed over when we were talking about the, the hospital scene, where they just hired twins for that scene. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Which makes it a lot easier. But, of course, like, him turning into, like, the floor itself and looks like a giant ch- uh, uh, chessboard coming to life, which is probably very horrific, like, not to drop acid and play chess. You're like, no, it's coming to life! <laughs> not again! <laughs> <laughs> the queen, uh, and, and, like, the rook just become like, 17 feet tall in your eyes, like, yeah! <laughs> Checkmate, you just go into uh, a, a real state. And this is where the heartbreak moment is, is where, like, the Teen Hunter realizes I gotta die, too, because they could rebuild Cyberdyne, or they could rebuild Skynet from me. And he tells John, I'm sorry. And John's like, I order you not to go. I order you not to go. And Arnold says, I know now why you cry, but it's something I can never do. And it's like, oh! 
And the joke from space is when he finally slowed down into the molten steel. It's like, you you think I'm unemotional. I can be emotional. I cry like a baby at the end of Terminator 2. Like, the, the thumb and everything. Like, ah! That's me trying to explain my emotions to any <laughs> okay. prospective females there. So, when Tim first showed this to me, I understood the emotional, le- like, how heavy this scene was. He was getting emotional on me. But previous to this movie, he showed me Hot Fuzz. And there was a scene, and we became obsessed with the song "Fire," like by, by Arthur Brown, and, and the crazy world of Arthur Brown. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, T, the T eight hundred is being lowered down into the song, and he's like, it's like ready to. They lift up the, the the thumbs up, and then I just he's like on verge of tears, so I just go fire. I take you to burn. And he goes, "Fuck you! You ruined this movie for the rest of my life." I literally just turned to him, just like. Like, like, tears in my eyes, just like, are you serious? Like, really? Like, you're going to do that now? I was really irate with you at that moment. It, it was funny yeah, looking back it, on it. It was. I love the thumbs up, but I also, when I was watching it today, I was like, wait, they already melted his brain. How do you put thumbs up? It didn't summer. get to the core yet. <laughs> it was like the nerves firing off in the last few moments, and then... Obviously, Sarah, like, admitted, like, she trusted him by giving a handshake and her arc completely filled, uh, fulfilled. And then we cut to a long highway at night, which is, like, just, like, more extra footage of them driving up the Cyberdyne they just reused. And it's just, like, for the first point in my life, for years, that, like, I can – the future's uncertain. And, like, and if, if – uh, a machine, a Terminator can learn the value of human life, maybe we can, too which is a very poignant line to go out on, and it just ends. Now, there was an alternate ending. It's not even in the extended cut, which was shot and cut together, but never made it to where we jump to 2029, and it looks like Back to the Future Part 2, like that future world. Wow. And it's old Sarah Connor dictating this to her, like a, a digital recorder. Like how she was at the end of uh, the first Terminator. Yeah. Gotcha. And we see the same actor who played John Connor the general without a scar, playing with his kid on a playground while they're in D.C. Yeah. And he's like a senator and fighting for the limiting of artificial intelligence and everything like that. And like, and he, like that's how like Cameron wanted a definitive editing. No way fans of yeah. buzz. But like having not that part and not having anything in there has led to be the continuation with Terminator 3. And then we have alternate timelines and everything. It gets all timey-wimey, wibbly-wobbly stuff. stuff. Doctor Who. Hashtag Doctor Who. <laughs> um, so, yeah. And so, final thoughts on Terminator 2. I mean, start to finish, great movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really hard to argue though, against the fact that this movie is superbly shot, superbly written, and just overall leaves you with, like, this is the greatest action movie I think I've ever seen. I mean, a few pe- I don't know many people that don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. I actually don't think I met anyone that doesn't. We'll find somebody. If you don't like Terminator 2, you're wrong. <laughs> you don't chew Big Red, then fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> not uh, a fuck guy. I'm a dapper dad, man. Damn it. <laughs> uh, obviously, this is one of my favorite movies. Um, obviously, I requested to be on this episode, actually. Yes. Because I wanted to talk about it. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, one of the greatest action movies ever made. I, it, it is... I, it's like a three-way tie for me. Like, if I'm going to try to determine the best action movie, it's this, it's Die Hard, or it's oh, Raiders of the Lost hard. Ark. Mm. And then, like, Mad Max Fury Road and, like, is, like, a, is like a new form contender for that now. Yeah. And, 
and then you have like Speed, and then you have like so many others. And like there's like list upon list of like greatest action movies, but it, this is up there. Yeah. And the reason why this movie means so much to me, other than like the emotional stuff I have connections wise, but it's influenced me for how I want to tell stories, how Cameron moves the the his the camera through his scenes and everything like that, or the blue lighting. Of like the high, highly saturated blue lighting, the cyan lighting, like by Adam Greenberg. Like you watch any of the stuff that we do, I'll try and what I like to do is I like to set my camera to how I try and get that cheaply. Like I set the camera to tungsten, I have the lights set to daylight. It's automatic blue lighting right there. Nice. You don't have to gel it, and that's why I like so much. Stuff. And then I color correct. I'm like more fucking blue in there, blue everywhere, blue double D double da, blue man group. You ain't, you can't stop me. I'm blue. Don't you shake your head on me, you little bitch. <laughs> Leave me again! <laughs> Don't let the door hit you in the twat on the way out! Oh yeah, we're just going to pour a pound of sugar in your gas tank. Oh, you said in my, in my blue car, you would do that too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a reason why I requested to be blue when I got that. Big here, the blue man group. <laughs> the big, big rip off of the yeah. Smurfs <laughs> and the Smurfs. They suck. <laughs> oh. And it's just is the character arcs, the, the actions. This is so much, and just I've watched this so many times as a kid. Like it's like how I felt watching this movie. Like that's the kind of stories I want to tell. That's the one kind of apartment I want to feel on the audience members. Where like that's what I try to achieve. And it's just like the measuring stick that. I, but I keep myself to. Will I achieve that? We'll see. And then the, the, that's the thing I keep striving for to make something as good as that. I know it's probably pipe dream, but whatever. I'm gonna try my damnedest doing that. So, yeah. And so that's Terminator Two in a nutshell. And like you've seen the Terminator sequels, you want to weigh in on those really quick? Yeah. Um, Rise of the Machines doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, I the, the Judge of Days inevitable, and you can't. You can't stop it. Yeah, it's just kind of like, it's kind of just like oh well. It's counterintuitive to everything the movie, the first two movies are about. Yeah, no, it is, and it just kind of takes all the emotional weight about it, so away from it. So I'm just like, all right, let's just ignore this one. Yeah. Um, Salvation. Salvation. Take it or leave it. I mean, not terrible. Not really a Terminator movie, but like. I mean, it all takes place in the future war, but it's all like the. Grimy looking. It doesn't look like the blue looking. Like no, it's like it's it doesn't. It doesn't look like it's part of the franchise. No, it doesn't. And uh, like I said, I didn't see Terminator Genesis, which I still assume it's about the Sega Genesis coming back in time <laughs> to save itself, <laughs> <laughs> or going forward in time to stop itself from being canceled. I don't know. Uh, like I said, that would be a more interesting movie. movie. <laughs> uh, always like after watching Terminator and Terminator Two, and obviously being a fan of the Matrix, you can almost argue that this could be possibly in the same universe. As the Matrix? Yeah. Like, it, it, like, it, of humanity like it, if John them? Connor didn't succeed in stopping the war, the future war, because the events of the Matrix is with the machines won, and it's like, okay, humans are batteries, so let's just plug them in and feed off their energies. Mm-hmm. You can almost make the argument that one thing leads to the other, because the, because the machines become sentient, and they actually, um, if you watch the Animatrix, which is a... Uh, a collab of ver- various different uh, anime um, film anime makers. studios and filmmakers. There was a secret of the like pretty much the they summed up the war, what led to the war, and how the war played out, and what eventually led to the Matrix. And during that sequence, there's humanoid looking robots yeah. in there, and you could almost make the argument they could be Terminators, right? So you kind of like 
maybe these war. It's like in a, if it, the timeline split, like in case like one timeline is the robots win, the other timeline is humanity wins. Yeah. So you can kind of make that argument. With the animated, just my favorite like story is that is like the last flight of the Osiris, which is like the CGI animated one at the very beginning. That because that correlates into directly into, into Termi- Matrix, yeah, yeah. Matrix uh, Reloaded. Reloaded, yeah. And then I think my favorite, all the ones like the film noir one. I think it was at the very end. Where, on the, where they're on the train? Yeah, yeah, that was by far my favorite too. The one I thought was really weird was the um, the runner who the runner was in, so weird. Himself, so he pushes he his, he's in computer program. He pushes himself so far, but the computer program purses back and like destroys his knees yeah he glitches yeah yeah robots hate knees yeah robots, robots hate knees, robots hate knees. <laughs> <laughs> and he's just yeah did like that joint they're like no so they, unnecessary they figured it out they're yeah. like how do we stop the humans get pop, rid of, pop, 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 pop. Get rid of their knees <laughs> um and just one of the other big takeaways from this movie is, is that the idea of like free world versus destiny that you can make the future wherever you want is something that I, I as a philosophy I kind of firmly believe and it's taking myself with me, which I fully believe with. But um final thoughts, uh any final thoughts on Terminator Two? No fate. Yeah. Best intro theme ever. Yes, the with Brad Fidel's music, we didn't really talk about that throughout no. the movie, but like that that theme, like just but that, but that melody, that melody, dude, like, da, 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 da. leading up to that is perfect setup. Especially with the Terminator face coming towards you and like the flames and everything, like oh, I just came. Gross. I'm moving over. And so yeah, and like it's it's become so part of me intrinsically that like whenever I tap my fingers it's like my fingers will go to two beats either it's like the mm-hmm. or it's the and I'll do rain blood <laughs> and it's usually those two like my fingers it's like or it's like dun 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 like whenever like I'm nervous or anything or like I'm just like trying to keep myself busy like those are the first two beats my hands will go to it's really weird but Brad Fidel's music throughout the rest of it, and especially the Desert Suite, is really cool. And like, I fall asleep listening to the the CD for this, and I'm just like, oh, this is really cool, and just relax to that. Yeah, I probably should listen to it start to finish. To be yeah. honest with you, but, both yeah. uh, both uh, albums from Terminator One and Two are on iTunes, so you can easily get them. Terminator One though is more uh, synth based, synth based, kind of John Carpenter ish. Yeah, because of just how cheap the movie was made yeah. and everything. But it's still, it's also it's remastered. It's also the eighties. Yeah. And it's just I'm a big synthwave head, so I, I I'm all for them. Like more more synthesizers, like more more. Like it's like like oh, you could just like have uh, like clerks. The clerks would be, could be better with synthesizers. Just saying like like that's like the Randall theme. Oh my god! <laughs> exactly. Yeah, just have John Carpenter score clerks. I'd be <laughs> <laughs> that'd be interesting. Yeah, that would be interesting. Oh my god. Like the Escape from New York theme as Randall enters the convenience store for the first time. What are you supposed to be in here? Huh. That's Precinct sick. 13, by the way. Oh, it is Precinct 13. Yeah, like, oh. Bam, 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 bam. That's, that's Escape from New York. Yeah, wow. Shame, shame on my half. Sorry. But, um. You idiot. <laughs> Thank, thanks, Ren. <laughs> Idiot. <laughs> you sick little monkey. Um, uh, it's so funny. Like I, I was watching, uh, speaking of the animation, I was, I was watching Duckman for like, the first time in forever. Uh, on, all the episodes are on YouTube, and I'm just like, oh my god, yes, I'm doing this. <laughs> Duckman, it was Jason Alexander before Seinfeld. It was like this 
cable animated show on USA Network done by Klasky Chupa, who did Rugrats, the first three seasons of uh, Simpsons and like... Uh, oh, okay. I'm s- loosely familiar with and this just character. Like, for some reason, it just came to mind. I had to watch it, and I know, like, I gotta rewatch Terminator Two. Like, I'm putting on Duckman, and so, <laughs> <laughs> so I ended up watching T Two instead today. Um, but so we've reached one one hundred episodes. Woo! Yeah, and you like to be fair. Actually, this is not the one hundred episode. We've actually over a hundred episodes because this show existed in a previous incarnation before I. Yes, I was part of a different podcast network, and where I had a bunch of episodes linked up to there on there before my friend Chris and I abandoned the network. So you didn't count those? No. Even though they were anything goes? Yeah, because when I started I started on the hundred the count when I started setting up my SoundCloud specifically leading up to here. So there's a bunch of episodes of like of this show people have not listened to before. Maybe I might put them up one day. Like kinda like like the lost tapes. Kind of, yeah. yeah. Was I on a? No, I wasn't on a. I, no, because was I think I? we did because we reviewed Rose uh, from Doctor Who. We did. Uh, we did one or two episodes of the Batman animated series. We did. Yeah. Fuck, mm-hmm. that's a long time ago. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we, Over three years. You know what? I'm just saying. I'm just. I meant to bring this up earlier, and I forgot to. During the when we were talking about uh, the nuclear nightmare scene, mm-hmm. um, there's a great homage. I don't know. Do you guys watch Bob's Burgers? A little bit, yeah. Uh, that's for the, the Nakatomi. That's where I got that. <laughs> Nakatomi, Nakatomi, Nakatomi. Um, there's a great homage they do to the nuclear holocaust where uh, Tina, the eldest daughter, yeah. shaves her legs for the first time. And that she feels bad about it and she has a dream of the nuclear holocaust. <laughs> and she's on the swing with her hairy legs and then they just all send her off and she's like screaming no. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! It's gr- it's a great thing if you, we could watch it later. But it's, it's so funny. oh jeez. But yeah, no, I want to thank all the listeners who have supported the show thus far. You uh, you know who you are, and I want to thank some of the uh, co-hosts that are very important who have been on the show. Obviously, Dakota and Tommy, thank you for being a part of this episode and previous episodes. Like Dakota being my most consistent co-host. Yeah, I think I've done like. What fifty of the hundred or at, not maybe not 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 fifty maybe sorry. like twenty five. It had to be more than twenty five because we did fifteen because all the Harry Potter stuff was at least fifteen, right? And then I did like yeah, so maybe like thirty five, forty. Yeah, probably around there. Yeah, six, I'll go back. And count. Uh, six, uh, six is good. Six is good. Six, six is good. Is good. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, give Knox a grant. Oh. <laughs> nice talking to you, Wayne. Gotham's greed. Here we got going on here. But I also want to thank obviously Nikki because she's a big part of the show as well. Hi, Nikki. Miss yeah. potting with you. Yes, and then of course uh, frequent listeners and who've been on the show before: Jeremy Lloyd, Justin Lee, uh, Matthew Malecki, who's a big f- fan of the show. Obviously, Chris Maffei, who has been who made the theme song for the show, has been on a bunch of it. Mike Wilson, who's been on the show plenty of times, and is doing the Halloween movies with me. Andy DiGenova, who's been who's been gracious enough to give time to be on the show a bunch of times. Guy Milks, who's my co-host on Please Rewind. One of my first guests, uh, Oliver Harper, the big uh, uh, fan of his YouTube stuff. If you want to see, like, one of the preps for this movie is like because he do. He'll do many documentaries about 80s and 90s movies. He did one on T2. It's about 25 minutes long. That's the first thing I did. I rewatched that in preparation for this. <laughs> and so thank you, Oliver, for also being a guest on the show. I hope to be, have you back on soon. 
uh, Scott from Suicide Squadcast, who we need to finish our doing our Dark Knight Returns reviews. Um, and I know he's going to listen to this. I know he's going to be like, finally. I mean, but by, especially now, since like school year's over right now, so he's obviously he's not doing anything right now. I mean, he took a week off of doing a show being a slacker and everything like that. He's going to be pissed when I say that. Uh, obviously, Captain Logan of Geek uh, Pollution was my fir- one of my other first guests. Uh, my brother-in-law, Fred. Juliana. Uh, our friend, Lisa, who's been on the show a few times. A uh, big supporter of the show, uh, Zaki Hassan. I know he's going to be on the show very soon. He, he and I are going to do all the Mission Impossible, like a retrospective on all the Mission Impossible movies. I know we were supposed to do that eventually, but we we got the Bourne movies to still finish up. So, you know, Dude, we have so many movies. Spider-Man, Bourne, Justice League, um... There's probably more than those three. Yeah, boy. Yeah, we got we got a lot of work. Yeah, and we so fight, we have to eventually do Killing Joke. We've been putting that off forever. Uh, Brave and the Bold. We've been shooting around for Beware of the Batman. Beware of the Batman. Which I was almost thinking about doing Beware of the Batman as his own show. I don't. And do one episode like we do twenty three episodes and then that's it. Yeah, but we have to be consistent with it. Like we have yeah. to record multiple at one shot. Yeah, yeah, and then we just put them up like one biweekly or something like that or whatever. I'm down. But uh, yeah, and so more show notes. Yeah, <laughs> but you just say the things that need to be reprioritized and everything. So, uh, oh yeah, and Temple of Doom eventually. Yes, and we gotta finish the Christmas Nolan stuff between Justin and I. But uh, yeah, those live. Before I close out the show, social media plugs. Where can they find you, folks? At Odd Thomas FF. That's Twitter and Instagram. Mm-hmm. Find me. Follow me. Uh, if you don't know, I also go by Odd Thomas. Uh, I, I'm a rapper. I'm a producer. Um, yeah, you can find my music, SoundCloud.com. And on Spotify. And on Spotify. I'm on Spotify. Please listen on Spotify. That's how I get paid. Yeah. Um, yeah, you can find me on Spotify. You can find uh all my music is at uh, thomastheodd.bandcamp.com. My entire discography nice. is up there. So it's like all in one easy spot for you to find. Um, SoundCloud, don't worry about it. There's links around it. You'll, you'll get there eventually. Yeah. I'm not too worried about SoundCloud. Gotcha. But uh, I'm actually also starting my own podcast very soon. Uh, I'm working on it with our friend Chip, actually. Oh, really? Chip is going to produce for me uh, the Oddcast. Oh. Which is going to be uh, about... Current events, uh, cool shit going on, and other stuff in this odd world we live in. And I would love to have you guys on for an episode, for sure. Dope. Awesome. Uh, I look forward to that. Yeah. And uh, you can find me pretty much on Instagram. Uh, my art account is DW, uh, DW Pepe Art. Uh, you can also follow me at DWegan91, which is a private account. Which So don't be offended if I don't follow you back. And then you can find my art. Uh, art stories and reviews at dwdrawings.dvnart.com. Nice. You want to follow the show? Obviously, you can follow us on SoundCloud on iTunes. If you enjoy the show, go over to iTunes and leave a five star and written review. It helps to get the word out. Um, my Twitter at timothyrooney2. My Instagram at trooney1012. My YouTube channel through the Lens Productions for my latest short film. Just the tip is up. He's look up through the Lens Productions. Just a tip. It'll bring you there. Just a tip. Um. Maybe not do that while you're on work servers. Maybe not. We'll see. It's nothing too inappropriate. <laughs> it's on YouTube, so it can't be that pornographic. Um, and, of course, my other podcast uh, for the Real Fans for Real Movies Podcast Network, Please Rewind. You can find that show with all of its episodes and all the previous uh, episodes of all the other shows at rf4rm.com. 
And that's all the other stuff I'm doing about it. So I want to say thank you guys for uh, taking time out of your night to talk about Terminator 2. You ever want to talk about Terminator 2, just let me know. Of course. <laughs> I have nothing better to do. <laughs> well love you Tim yeah thank you for spending time to talk about my favorite movie of all time <laughs> and you just vape into his face right there pretty much but we'll see what happens with this show because I don't know things need to be reprioritized and the future's not said. There is no favor of what we make, and we'll see what happens in the future. So come back next time, if there's a next time. Until then, I'll talk to you soon. <laughs>